Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There she blows. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm Kenyon. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm Lucy. <laughs> oh. 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 I'm Amanda. Oh. <laughs> Gonna oh. sneak past you say my name. I'm Amanda. <laughs> I'm Amanda. I'll be your server this evening. <laughs> Sparkling or still? <laughs> Plain. Oh my god. <laughs> Plain sparkling though. I saw Always. this server meme the other day that was just like so triggering. A server goes up to the table and is like, "Hey, my name's Amanda. I'm going to be taking care of you tonight. How is everybody?" And the person just looks and goes, "Diet Coke." Oh, no. <laughs> what is like, wrong yeah. with people? Everything. Like, your Lots server is a human being. How for now, Diet Coke. Eventually, yeah, they'll be replaced with robotics. But for now, they're yeah. When we went to that Applebee's, basically is yeah. Oh, yeah, we ordered off of a tablet, and we saw yeah. our server, who was really just a food runner, twice. She yeah. paid lovely, the robot. Though. She really was. Yeah. We gave her she a really great. good tip considering that we should have tipped yeah. the tablet. Oh. I guess. Well, it's not, not yeah. Oh, that's no. terrible. It was so weird. It was really weird. <sighs> anyway, I, I what the I'm, fuck is going on? All right. So uh, this week's topic is sailing crimes. Mm. A topic very close to Lucy and my heart. Yeah. My, our, our singular heart. Our collective mm-hmm. heart. And the fan picker is LaShawn, and their boat's name is the SV September. I'm percent sure that's the case. But LaShawn, if I'm wrong, or SV September, if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> it could possibly be the other way around. But LaShawn and okay. their partner, SV September. <laughs> we oh apologize. Um, yeah, so sailing crimes. I'm mm. just, yeah, this is going to be a balm for the soul. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And just at the top. So everyone's aware, Kenyon and I sailed together throughout our childhood, mm-hmm. like starting in like fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Yet another activity that I dragged Lucy into kicking and screaming, and then it became a big part of her identity. Yep. Yeah. Literally my thank, entire thank identity God. is a pastiche of Kenyon's whims. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not an exaggeration. It's really not. But we 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 went to the sailing school from fourth grade. I went all well all through high school. We were on yep. the sailing yeah. team, and then yep. in when we were in college, we taught at the sailing school. Mm-hmm. So like yep. summer day camp. So that's where the my personal hatred of children really blossomed. And your mm-hmm. talent for torturing privileged white youth. Oh my God. Oh, it's yeah. so fun though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kid won't get it in the water really for their swim test. Push Chuck them in. Yep. They yeah. got a life jacket on. Just 
chuck yeah. them into the water. Figure it They're out. They're not going to die. One time, Lucy. Roundhouse kicked a child in the face by accident. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, I know where this is going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Real hard. And then you blamed him. Well, he it was got in my way. Yeah, he got in the way. <laughs> he knew spatial I was awareness running. is a very important skill to teach a child. He knew it's that a, I was running towards a pole mm-hmm. with the intention of grabbing it and swinging my body yeah. horizontally around the pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and wasn't he the was first time we'd done it that day. No. And he like followed me, so I kicked him yeah. in the face. He cried, which is, I guess, <laughs> really embarrassing for a twelve-year-old boy. And mm. then he Toxic apologized to me. <laughs> Good. He that played me. out exactly how it was supposed to. Right. He's going to make a great husband someday. Yep. He's yep. got this. Not yep. to Valuable me, but skills. Someone. So um, anyway, I, I'll post will some be... pictures on the drive, which will be on the blog oh, of our oh, days good. in sailing because I got a lot. Some throwback Kenyan Lucy sailing photos. Mm. <laughs> yes. Slash the last time I was tan. God, I still have tan lines from that. Permanent. Permanent. All right. There will be more anecdotes, I'm sure. But first, let's get to the wine crime pairing for sailing crimes. Yes. Yes. This week, we are pairing Winx Sauvetage Rosé. And the word Sauvetage translates from French to rescue. Perfect. yeah, and the bottle is super cute. It has like a little flotation ring on it. It's like a nice light pale rosé. Very nautical. Very nautical. Um, before we dive in, just a reminder that Wink is an amazing online wine club and a sponsor of this show. They deliver wine to your home, and they have been busting wine delivery balls during quarantine, (laughs) which is actually why I'm drinking a different wine right now because I couldn't get this one. They sell it out. Yeah, Yeah. they sold, and they're selling a lot of rosés right now. So if you were able to snag this wine, God bless. Mm. I have had it it before. Yeah, I've had it in my wink box before and it's amazing and I couldn't get it this time. So I put the wink loves me not rosé in there, which I also love. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is a beautiful bottle, so if you have it, here's a little more information about it. Oh, also, if you are not a member of Wine Club or Wink Wine Club, you should head to trywink.com forward slash gals. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com forward slash gals. And if it's your first time ordering from them, you'll get 20 bucks off your first box. And if you put four or more bottles in your cart, they take care of the shipping. It's amazing. It's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It saved yeah. my life during this quarantine. I've had a bunch mm-hmm. of friends who have texted me being like, I don't know why it took me so long to sign up for Wink. It seems yeah. like a commitment, but it's such a treat. It's, it's so convenient. It's yeah. become a staple in like my life. Essential And you can service. give it as a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. So this particular rosé is a blend of Grenache, Syrah, and Cinso. Hello. Singing. (gasps) Your faves. Singing directly to my tongue, throat, and stomach. Um, Gross. That's a Uh, lot of body parts. (laughs) (laughs) This wine clocks in at 13.5% ABV and boasts a fruit-forward palate with a nice dry finish. It features tasting notes of strawberry and peach rings. Hi. Oh, like the summer gummies? treat. Yeah. I want those now. Me too. 
the winemaker, this is uh, also, this wine comes from the south of France, so it's like a very traditional style rosé. The winemaker used the direct press method, which we have discussed before, but as a reminder, it's one of two preferred methods for rosé. In this method, grapes are grown and selected exclusively for rosé production, often crushed as whole clusters and then gently pressed until the juice reaches a desirable pale color. Some producers may also allow a few hours of extra skin contact before separating the juice from the skins, which adds a richer color to the finished product. And the other less traditional saignet or bleed method is Mm -hmm. a byproduct of making red wine. So they use red wine grapes and a small amount of the juice is bled off early in fermentation and not allowed lengthy contact with the skins. That's another way to make rosé. So when you get like really rich Pinot Noir rosés, that's typically a red wine grape, but they're likely using Mm. that saignet method to make it into a rosé. Kind of cool. Interesting. Right? I'm a cuddler, so I prefer You're a direct the press. extra hours of skin <laughs> contact. Yep. Yeah. You're a direct press and extra contact kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have received my replacement nice pop wine key. Nice. Yeah. Which you can match me by going to our online store at wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com. Um, the Sauvetage Rosé is a popper, so I'm going with a poppable wine right now to get that mm-hmm. same level of struggle that I would be getting <laughs> in the real thing. Just some yeah. sweat on the brow. Oh, speaking of sweat, it's a little toasty here, so like this bottle has been outside of the refrigerator for about eight seconds, oh, and it's just completely wet. drenched. Wet. Yeah. 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 All right, are we ready? Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Oh, that was a nice pop. Nice that was a nice pop. That that was is very a nice smooth. Well I done. Did all right. mm-hmm. It's a good wine key. Uh, it is it a is? really good wine key. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Cheers, my loves. Cheers. Cheer. I'm not drinking rose because it's winter here, so I am drinking red. As long as we're drinking something, that's what I matters. also have water. Mm. All right. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych nah. for sailing crimes? <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. Just the psychology of white people for the next like two hours. Actually, the company spares that. <laughs> This is a very history-rich segment, and honestly, okay. most of it is just shit that I'm personally interested in, so deal with it. Great. <laughs> Great. I love it. <laughs> okay. So the first visual depictions of sailing boats were discovered on painted discs from ancient Mesopotamia, my favorite, Ooh. which oh. date Hot back- Hot Mesopotamia. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think I should be DJ Hot Mesopotamia. Yes. <laughs> also, your new drag name. Would not fit on a vanity plate. But Hot Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. Might be a little appropriative, but somebody should use that if mm-hmm. they haven't already. Does it okay. count if it's like a culture that doesn't exist anymore? I think geographically it's pretty specific. I don't. I I actually know know very little about Mesopotamia. I'm not going to risk it. it. We'll move on. Yep. But these uh, painted discs date back to 5500 BCE. So like a way long time ago. Before Christ even. (laughs) So so basically people invented sailboats before they invented like the wheel. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> There's no way the to know. Same, same craft project. Let's just yeah. assume. Yeah. Same craft. It was the same woman who invented both. <laughs> it, it was. Mm. It had to have been. It, it obviously was. So these painted discs show simple reed ships called square riggers. Rigged with a mast and a single square papyrus sail that were used on the Nile River. Hmm. These boats are square, go figure, and are designed to basically go just in one direction, which was wherever the wind was pushing them from behind. So, like, which is my favorite boy band. Got it? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> they only square went, riggers. They only went in Ace of Base. <laughs> no, they're white supremacists. We've been over yeah. this. Oh, I forgot. <sighs> okay, anyway. Scooting in. I'm scooting in because I'm so excited. So <laughs> while travel, commerce, and warfare all relied heavily to some degree on these very simple boats, clearly they had their limitations. Hashtag One Direction. Mm-hmm. So, so okay, they're, they're sailing downriver, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they're or basically just like wind. River rafts. Downwind. Mm-hmm. So then ha- so then they have to just wait until the wind changes to return to where they were? Basically. They couldn't or go they very far. Or they just burn them and build a new one. Yeah. Right. They, they couldn't go very far, I suppose, is the point. But they were mm. crucial. Okay. Again, oh my God, Ray just sat on my computer mouse. I love Ray. <laughs> a fucking pill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they they were limited, but also at the same time crucial because at the time that was pretty sophisticated technology. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. have anything better. Yeah. Um. Oh well, here this answers your question. Sorry, I wrote these notes like two weeks ago. I don't remember half of this shit. Fair. So where these boats failed, or what, if they had to go back upwind, whatever, they would take the sail down, and then they would row or get their enslaved people to row for them. Mm-hmm. So Got these, it. Okay. These boats. So they had had oars. Oars, yeah. Got Got it. it. So I found an article from Yachting and Boating World. No, I don't subscribe. About the top 10 sailing innovations. And here are just a few. So this is throughout throughout history. The steering steering oar, which allowed a boat to, you know, steer. You don't say. It also allowed for the function of larger boats. So this steering oar was typically affixed to the starboard side of the boat, which is as you're sitting in the boat, the right side, the left side is the port side. And a fun fact about the word starboard, it's derived from steerboard for, oh, for oh. this very reason, because that's where the steering board was located on the right side. So did it, it evolve to starboard just because of like the way people were pronouncing it probably? Yeah, Interesting. yeah mostly people in like Maine. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> People who say ours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Chinese are credited for inventing the stern mounted rudder around the first century AD. So this steering board went from the the starboard side of the boat to the back of the boat, which makes a lot more sense, I think. Where mm-hmm. it remains today. Yeah. And so it's basically just a little oar right on the butt of the boat that is more effective for steering because it's in the middle, so it's more even. And mm-hmm. Western civilizations caught on with this, the rudder, the Chinese invented rudder, approximately a thousand years after the Chinese invented it. So we're a little slow up. on the uptake. Yeah. It's fine. same with like so many things. Yeah. Paper, Social issues. Fucking yeah. 
Healthcare, gunpowder, masks. Um, so celestial navigation is another mm. big innovation. Obviously, sailing in the ocean at night can be very dangerous, and we will kind of come back to celestial navigation because that's something that, again, I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking cool. It's really fucking cool. So ancient mariners, the pride of Spain, measured the angles of certain stars <laughs> to the horizon to make sure that they were going the right direction. And I believe that they use a sexton for that because mm. a sexton can measure the angle of two objects and how far, how far apart they are. Cool. And one of the earliest evidences, one of the earliest evidence of, of this, of celestial navigation dates back 3000 years to Homer's odyssey. Yeah. Cause they use that shit the whole, the whole time. Uh-huh. One of the only books that I did not finish that was required in school that I just I didn't like it. Fucking do it. Sorry, Miss Sinclair. Nope. Didn't like it. Sorry. Great teacher. Uh, hated that a lot book. of books. I didn't finish, and that was one of them. <laughs> I think I still got an A on that paper, though, Miss Sinclair. So Woo! that is a testament to how quality an educator you are. You are incredible. Mm-hmm. I used the word bitch in my paper about Homer's Odyssey, and I'm pretty sure I, I got it, yeah. too. Because Miss Sinclair was the bitch. He's best. a little bitch. Mm-hmm. I think I was talking about the mermaids or something. I don't mm-hmm. fucking know. The sirens. Okay, another innovation. The keel, or the centerboard, as Kenyon and I called it on our smaller boats, is basically a blade or a fin on the bottom of the boat that goes into the water, and that acts as a counterbalance um, for for the mast, so to, uh, it mostly keeps it upright. So that's where the term like keel over comes from. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yes, it yes. does. Yep. Um, so, so so the mast like, is the big pole sticking up upwards, and then the keel mm-hmm. it, it sticks downwards because mm-hmm. obviously if you have a pole on a fucking boat sticking straight up with nothing to counterbalance right. it, you're going to have a yep. bad time. Yeah, makes mm-hmm. sense. Weebles so wobble and they do like fall this. down. Mm-hmm. Keeps it like this, and then sometimes you can keel over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But keeling is is natural. It happens to every every man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's also keeling and healing. Uh, the basically the same thing. It helps if you're racing. There's less, there's less of the boat touching the water, so there's less friction, so you go faster. Ah, less resistance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yep. So there's, Makes sense. So when you are racing, the boats that Kenyon and I sailed are called 420s. Yes, make the jokes. It's fine. Um, <sighs> you could lift the centerboard up and then tip your boat sideways so there's like minimal friction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm keel or a centerboard also keeps the boat sailing in a straight line, especially when you're going upwind. Mm. So it keeps you from, from the wind just pushing your boat backwards in the water. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So this innovation came in tandem with boats not being fucking square anymore mm-hmm. because someone figured out that a square boat doesn't go that It's not an ergonomical shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So more narrow, sleek hull designs went faster because, again, there's less friction on the water. And mm-hmm, with the keel, mm-hmm. they did not run as big of a risk of capsizing, which is when your boat just goes all the way over. Cool. And all right. I'm following. This tracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sailing upwind, the latine, not to be confused with latrine. The shitter. The latine. 
the toilet sale, the Latine sale, <laughs> totally changed the game. It's, it's what you wipe with. <laughs> right. Uh. It's believed to have been introduced prior to the first century BC by the Persian or Arabic sailors who brought it to the Mediterranean. So the Latine sale could move back and forth. It wasn't fixed. It's basically mm-hmm. on a hinge, kind of. Mm-hmm. So that allowed... So, that allowed like, for, like it is now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That allowed for the zigzag pattern that you make when you're sailing upwind. It's called tacking. Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can sail upwind without going like way fucking off course. Off course. Yeah, yeah, you can't sail directly into the wind. There's like a no-go zone triangle. So you gotta, yeah, you get you zigzag. Uh, um, carrot ships, carrot ships are those big carrot sticks. Carrot sticks are those big three or four masted ships with lots of cargo space. And these motherfuckers were the first to have circumnavigated the globe and were invented in the 15th century by Genoan sailors for use in commerce. Hence, the cargo space. And colonization. Mm -hmm. Yay! Enslavement, etc. And transferring the plague, unknowingly. White people are the worst. (laughs) Canyon is deep in the black death right now. (laughs) Deep. Although it was mostly, it had basically done its thing by this point, but yeah. Yeah. There were re-uppances. Mm-hmm. Go brown rat. It comes back. Recurrences, resurgences. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So the rest of this list is like engines and GPS and internet. So like, I'm not going to, whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Boo. Sunscreen. Previous to European societies taking up the mantle of innovative sailing techniques during the age of discovery, ancient Greeks, Egyptians, and Romans had really paved the way, not to mention prehistoric Chinese, Indian, and Arab cultures. I don't like the word Arab, whatever. That's what this article said. Mm. You know what I'm saying. Well, sometimes, sometimes... It's misleading because sometimes it includes Persian and sometimes it doesn't and it depends on the era. Yeah. yeah. So this is prehistoric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't be that, you know, specific, mm-hmm. but okay. So yeah, we're not going to have exact geographic <laughs> yeah, delineation for that era. Yeah. yeah. This is the part that I wanted to talk about the most. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Polynesians. Yes. Yes. Fucking Wild. Mm-hmm. This has always this has always been like really interesting to me. So, first of all, it's important to make a distinction between Polynesian sailing and that of Europeans, because Polynesians um, relied on a completely different set of tools and skills. It was like apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. And they went way fucking farther, way fucking earlier. Right. Way f- we'll get to it. So Polynesia, just FYI, refers to a huge swath of the planet. There is a photo on the drive that will be on the blog. It's it, the Polynesian Triangle, as mm-hmm. is referred to, generally stretches between Hawaii, Easter Island, and New Zealand. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. This is wild. It's big old chunk of the world. Huge. Some nicknames for this area are the Grand Octopus of Prosperity, oh. Beginning of Heaven and Earth, and the Octopus Ooh. of Muturangi. Cool. And it's all this octopus stuff is sort of, it's because as 
they mapped it out. They saw the territory that is now known as French Polynesia as the head of the octopus. And mm-hmm. then their um, routes kind of were like the off, like tentacles. Yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. Also, there's proof that these seafarers even went to fucking Antarctica. Mm. Yeah. They went everywhere. No way. That's incredible. I mean, they, the distances that they covered are amazing and, and like survived yeah flourished and yeah i don't Thrived. i don't know about other parts of polynesia but in new zealand the maori people they can trace their ancestors back to like a specific canoe wow or yeah. like part of the family that that first arrived the like that's incredible it's amazing their navigation in their culture is such a big deal there's like a hierarchy yeah it's such a well we'll get to it <laughs> okay <laughs> so traditional navigation methods have been used for thousands of years and i say it that way like present tense because these methods are still taught in certain places uh, uh, in the solomon islands yeah, if it works, like it's tried yeah, and true, and there's something broke. to be said. Right, there's something to be said for not relying so heavily on technology that could potentially fail you, and using like tried and mm-hmm. true methods of survival. It's pretty incredible. It's just so entrenched it's in amazing. their culture too. It's, right, it's, it's their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would use their outrigger canoes. So that means there are either that there are two hulls. It's basically two canoes lashed together. Mm-hmm. And um, so these canoes were equipped with sails to travel literal thousands of miles across open fucking ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that would it's like a catamaran, basically. Yeah, yeah a modern it's catamaran. Like open to the elements and everything. Like they mm-hmm. don't have a lot of sailing protection across the open ocean in something like that. Ooh. I mean, I can't imagine that would have been. It would no. have taken a lot of balls. I would have died within the first 15 minutes. Let's just be very, very clear. I'd get a sunburn and want to go home. Mm -hmm. Like I'd request that we turn around Mm -hmm. because I'm itchy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I can't stand being itchy. Okay. (laughs) So they could, they would put a net between those two holes to carry their shit. So everything from like extra sacks to like full on livestock Mm. so that they could populate the islands that they came across as they went. So, wow. like, yeah. super Life of Pi vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just cra- I mean, I just think of that, like, f- like a cow. Like, mm-hmm. it's... Water, fresh water. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So, here's a quote from PBS. The Polynesian's primary voyaging craft was the double canoe made of two hulls connected by lashed cross beams. The two hulls gave this craft stability and the capacity to carry heavy loads of migrating families and all of their supplies and equipment, while a central platform laid over the cross beams provided the needed working, living, and storage space. So they had like a fucking living room also. Right. A dance floor. A a dance floor. Sails made of matting drove this ancient forerunner of the modern catamaran, Kenyon, swiftly through the seas, and long steering paddles enabled Polynesian mariners to keep it sailing on course. A medium-sized voyaging canoe, uh, 50 to 60 feet long, that's just medium, could accommodate two dozen or so migrants, plus their food supplies, livestock, and planting materials. Wow. This shit was unbelievable. Big. 
Yeah. And that's like mm-hmm. using every bit of usable space because yes, that is big. Mm-hmm. But when you actually think about the structure mm-hmm. of two canoes set up like a catamaran, that's carrying a lot of valuable yeah. cargo for the size. They like yeah. maximize every bit. I've it's been on so like a vessel. modern catamaran that's about that size. And we had like 10 people on it. And it was like, where do I put my feet? Right. And we had no chickens. No cows. No, no livestock. No. Just drunken champagnes. Yeah. So in general, each island maintained a guild of very high status navigators who would be able to trade their skills for aid or even evacuate the, the entire population of that island during times of crisis or famine. Wow. So these navigators were like, you know, highly important. respected, very important mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Polynesian navigators passed down techniques and knowledge from master to apprentice, often by song, which oh, is so fucking that. cool. Easier to remember, too. When we think about what we're passing down through song, all I can think of is Justin Bieber, and then I cry. Thong, the thong, thong, thong. To the window, okay, to the well, wall, till the sweat drops off my song. brow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was the lyric for... How old am I? 30, almost 33, so about 28 I rem- years. I remember you <laughs> dancing like this. So the sweat dropped down my brow. <laughs> You're so fucking white. You're such oh, a you theater kid. Prowl. Prowl. <laughs> prowl. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a good thing. Go it's a good thing we don't pass too much down by song. Half oh. the lyrics would be wrong. Right. So I'm so off on so many lyrics. <laughs> and my friend, but I'm really good at knowing like the backup riffs of like every song ever. All the yeah. hype man, like what? Yep. what? Yeah, you know <laughs> that every is where syllable. I shine. It totally. Yeah, is. the parts of songs that no one bothers to learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's Amanda Strong. Logged suit. away <laughs> in my Rolodex <laughs> of useless information is every time Timbaland says. Hey, in any song. <laughs> That's where math should be. There's no math Acon. there. No it's math. It's chock full of <laughs> And my college roommate thought that Mustang Sally was mustard and salad. Mustard and salad. <laughs> Gotta slow your mustard down. <laughs> Imagine imagine those kind of mistakes, but when trying to build a seafaring vessel. No. (laughs) Trying to navigate home. Yeah. (laughs) Someone else on the boat is like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure it's mustard and salad. I'm 99% (laughs) sure and 80% louder than the rest of this group. So this is what we're going with. I'm almost positive it's there's a bathroom on the right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Okay. So, aside from song, they used natural navigation guides like the stars, the sun and the moon, ocean currents, swells and waves, because all of the, the swells and the waves have really predictable, uh, well, islands, the presence of islands, and in particular, like chains of islands, have a really mm-hmm. predictable effect on waves. The wave pattern for a long, total for a long sense. distance. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, They used birds, Mm -hmm. like migrating birds. They could tell Mm -hmm. exactly where the fuck they were by by birds. 
Wow. Yeah. There are a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of birds. You're probably near some land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if you see a certain type of bird, you're like, hey, it's November. We Mm -hmm. must be in this region, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. And also, I can't even know what region I'm in with Google Maps. Kenyan needs I, like McDonald's as yeah. like reference point. You're definitely I, a landmarks directions kind of person. I absolutely am. I have to visualize and see the route every step of the way, but mm-hmm. I'm not terrible with directions because if You're I've not. been somewhere once, I can usually remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are worse. But there is no McDonald's on the open ocean for you to know where to exit off of Highway yeah. 7 to get home. Right. Kenyon would have asked yeah. to so. turn around and go home also. We're all I in the same have, literal boat. I never boat would have on even this. stepped <laughs> on, on the that boat. No. Nope. Nope. I'm going to stay here and take care of nope. this. Nope. Nope. You guys have nope. fun. Bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so... Th- so because they used all these natural navigation guides, that meant that they had to be pretty much constantly observing and memorizing everything around them. Ugh. Constant. And wow. um, there is also little to no uh, evidence of Polynesians using physical devices like maps mm-hmm. to navigate at all. It was all up here. Which Oral is tradition and, and just like memory. Memory. Timbaland. Yeah. Can you imagine spending no. like months fucking sailing to like Hawaii and then you're like, cool, we dropped our cows off. Let's let's go, go get home. Some more. Like <laughs> oh. <laughs> studying for the SAT stressed me out enough to never want to engage in this. Yeah, and your entire civilization didn't depend on that. Nope, sure didn't. Mm. Oh, here's That's my future. Back to the birds. Okay. Here's a fun fact. <laughs> it is thought that Polynesians brought a frigate bird, a friggin' frigate bird out to sea with them. <laughs> Love it. And that's because these birds can't land on water. So they would release the bird when they thought they were close to shore. And if it didn't return to the boat, they would know that that bird had found land and they would follow it. Cool. Oh, that's smart. I love that. Yeah. Because if the bird felt like it was like not going to make it, it would return to the boat. Turn around and come Correct. back. <gasps> got it. Yeah. And it got a bird's eye view. Uh- <laughs> To look off in the distance it, and tell you if there's any land over there. They'd follow it on a lark. <laughs> Isn't a lark a bird? <laughs> yep. I, I, yes. Yeah. Yep. You nailed it. Okay. So to round us out, I wanted to close with a list of 10 silly sailing terms from fake news CNN. Thank God. We can't even trust this information, but whatever. Here we go. <laughs> Scuttlebutt. A scuttlebutt is a cask on a ship containing the vessel's drinking water. It was named this as the container was traditionally a small barrel, so nobody was hydrated, apparently. The so-called butt. You know how you've heard of, like, a butt load? Yeah. A a literal butt load is, like, however many gallons. So those barrels are called butts. And if it was scuttled... (laughs) Look at Amanda. (laughs) My whole world is just crumbling around me right now. And if it was scuttled, that means they drilled a hole in it. So So maybe... The whole, like, what's the scuttlebutt thing? That's like, what's what's the gossip around the water cooler? Totally. Around the giant water barrel. Yeah. The scuttled butt. What? Oh, my God. This is the next sentence. 
Can you tell I just copied and pasted this? I hadn't actually read this yet. As sailors <laughs> would often gather around the scuttlebutt to chat, the word has also taken on a slang meaning of rumor or gossip. Amanda! There You're we go. basically a scholar. Get this woman I, a PhD. I'm an anthropologist <laughs> for words. <laughs> for words. I'm a word anthropologist. Lingual anthropologist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a Rolex, Rolodex, Rola, Rolex, Rolex, Rolex. Uh, is a commonly used spelling for Rolox, and these are the spaces cut into a vessel or a small or small clasps raised up from the side of smaller boats that are used to rest the oars when the boat is under paddle. Got okay. it. Rolex. You're gonna like this one too, Amanda. The poop deck. Yes, swab it. A poop deck is a deck at the rear of the ship, generally formed by the roof of a cabin. So if you've ever watched Below Deck on Bravo, yep. which if you haven't, yep. there's something fucking wrong with you. Oh, it's so good. They refer to the poop deck uh, on the sailing yacht season. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if a wave washes over this deck from behind the, wes- the vessel, it is said to be pooped. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. A As lot in- less poop in that definition than I, I thought it was because of bird for. poop I assumed it was bird poop I thought it was where they went to shit and <laughs> no. then you wash it off the side <laughs> which will come up in my case thank oh. god okay my case is mostly about poop all right okay. just a couple more so we can get to that get to the poop uh, the widow maker is a colloquial term for the boat's bowsprit so it's a mm. long pole that is that is used. They um, it's extend it extends from the bow and it's used to like fix the sails mm. while the boat is sailing, so that you don't have to like pull the sails in to fix something. It's a pole. It's why a big. Is, it's a big why, rabbit. Why is it called the Widowmaker? It's probably real dangerous to get onto the end of that pole on the open seas to flop up to a fucking sail and like sew it. Yep. It's because it's the most dangerous part of the boat. There it is. Uh, the baggy wrinkle. Love this. I think <laughs> I follow her on I Instagram. Can, I can. <laughs> her name is Baggy Wrinkle, isn't it's it? It's Baddie Winkle. Baddie Winkle. Not Baggy and I Wrinkle. Love her. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's basically the same. So that just means a soft covering for ropes that prevent the chafing of the sails. Where ropes and lines come into contact with sails, there is serious potential for damage to the sail due to the abrasive nature of most rigging. Can I get this for my inner thighs? Yeah. I have bought a pair of pants, like a... Of baggy wrinkle. Of bag. I've bought baggy wrinkles for inner thigh chafing. Needed. It's yeah. necessary. For, in for the summertime. In summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Under dresses, yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, just a couple more. The futtock, F, it's buttock with an F. Love what it. What the futtock are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are the curved timbers used to form the interior ribs on the hulls of wooden ships. The ribs on the inside. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. The cat head is Ooh. a large wooden beam that extends from vessels at a 45 degree angle and is used to assist in raising and lowering the anchor. So it cool. just it keeps the anchor chain away from the boat, from I believe. From the hull. 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it's called such because many cat heads have the faces of lions or other large cats carved into them. Mm-hmm. However, it's not known if this is what gave the cat head its name or if it was the other way around. Chicken and egg. Got it. Which came Got first, it. the cat or the head? Last but not least, the escuchion is the... Kazuntite. Pl- uh, <laughs> <laughs> just going to escuchion <laughs> over. Oh, just going to escuchion past ranch. you, grab the ranch. So that's the place <laughs> on the stern, uh, the back of the boat, um, where the name is written. Oh, oh where either the Lashan or the SV, SV September, September is written. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the SV September? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. Well, yeah. Fun. Just a little high overview of sailing, some history, some fun facts, because I didn't really I know it. what the fuck else to talk about. That wasn't nearly as Bring excruciating as I was anticipating it to be. I'm going to be real with you. Thank you. I thought you two would be way more insufferable during this episode, and so far, so good. So far, so good. I also haven't Quick taken anecdote. a single sip of wine. Quick. Oh, God. <laughs> Should we escoochie on over to hear a word from our advertisers? Let's, Let's do it. So, little upgrades to your life can begin with small changes. Like, I mean, I recently got a dip nail kit, so I'm like getting into my own nail care. And, you know, we made some changes where we were like, we want to eat less red meat. And now we don't eat any red meat. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of happened we got a soda stream and we like make our own soda water and now we don't spend a million dollars on cans of soda water and and like you know colas you're thriving it's like small little changes and Mm -hmm. in life making small changes to everyday life can lead to positive lifestyle changes so think of the right towel turning a bathroom into a spa the right loungewear turning function into luxury the right bedding turning a bed into a retreat or for me a home office and the dining room cafeteria yeah (laughs) you know brooklinen as the internet's favorite sheets but they're also home to bedding loungewear towels and more with over 50,000 plus five-star reviews and counting i have Brooklyn and sheets, a Brooklyn and duvet, Brooklyn and pillowcases, and now I have Brooklyn and towels. And one of my favorite things about choosing my towels is that they vary in um, like plushness and absorbency. Mm-hmm. So I have a very specific taste when it comes to my towels. I like them to be a little on the thinner side, but highly absorbent because I think I feel like too plush is just not meeting my personal requirements. And Brooklinen literally has like a variance in the thickness, how plush or soft they are, and how absorbent they are when you choose the towels. It's like Goldilocks. You can find exactly the kind of towel that you want. And so not only did it bring new life and feeling into our bathroom space, like I got this beautiful, sleek, clean-looking gray, um, but they're also so well-priced. It's like these luxury products at a low price and... It makes me feel motivated and con- and encouraged about my other positive life changes. Like a towel can change your whole outlook when you walk into the bathroom. It just it just feels so good. Mm-hmm. 
So Brooklinen was the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They worked directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. No middle people, just a mm-hmm. great product and service. And all luxury products are just that. They're luxury without that mm-hmm. markup. You're not paying extra for those those processes in between like the manufacturing to right. like having them in your bathroom or like a name like a fancy designer name oh yeah and like amanda said these are goldilocks towels mm-hmm. i went with the thin ones because my bedroom gets really hot in the summertime because mm-hmm. we have a lot of windows and plus i just basically air dry after the shower mm-hmm. those thin oh my gosh they're so nice like thin and highly absorbent that is my like that's my sweet spot mm-hmm. that's I, what i want in a towel i have created my own retreat at home yes yeah so brooklinen.com is the perfect place to start making small changes that make big differences brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets comforters loungewear and towels come with a lifetime warranty oh. so go on make yourself comfortable mm-hmm. get 10 percent off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code GALS only at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Treat your luxury. Treat it. If you have listened to literally any of our episodes, you know that I, Lucy, am obsessed with my cats. Yep. I love them. Ray makes appearances in our videos and social media posts sometimes. Uh-huh. As but- does Pepperoni. As much as I love my cats, my absolute least favorite chore to do is to just deal with the litter boxes. Anything yeah. to do with the litter boxes, I will do anything else mm-hmm. if it means getting out of litter box duty. Yeah, that's fair. It's like covering up the smell. There's dust everywhere. There's like, it's just dirty. I just hate it. I absolutely hate it. And that is why I have switched to Pretty Litter. Yes. Change my life. Pretty Litter is kitty litter reinvented. So unlike traditional litter, Pretty Litter's super light crystals trap odor and release moisture resulting in dry, low maintenance litter that doesn't smell. So like, say goodbye to those nasty, like, moist not really clumped, but like kind of clumped. You yep. know what I mean? You know yep. what I mean. And like the crystal litter is like super big in Europe. So Ooh, you have a European kitten. I basically do. Two of them. And Pretty Litter is virtually dust-free because it's manufactured with a specialized de-dusting process. So less dust, no fuss. Sign me ups. Yes. <laughs> Pretty Litter arrives safely at my door in a small, lightweight bag, and that bag lasts up to a month. And now that I get litter bags auto-shipped, no pants, no bra, baby. I don't have to deal with last-minute trips to the store, lugging the huge things of litter. Ugh, I just hate it. Yup. And their shipping is free. But above all else, here is why Pretty Litter is a pet parent's hero. It's a health indicator. Mm-hmm. Hence the I pretty. love this. This is my favorite part about this litter. It changes colors. It monitors your cat's health because cats are really bad at alerting humans when they're in pain or when they're sick. They're just mm-hmm. very stoic creatures. 
So usually if your cat is ill, you don't know that until you take them into the vet. And then it's like a vet bill and possibly like a a life-threatening, you know, issue. Right. So Pretty Litter monitors my cat's health by changing colors when it detects potential underlying issues. It's colorful. And you will not find that kind of innovation in conventional litter, let me tell you. Nope. Nope. And you can get the world's smartest litter without leaving home, like Lucy mentioned, by visiting prettylitter.com and using promo code GALS for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code GALS for 20% off prettylitter.com, promo code GALS. Treat your cat. Treat them. Are we ready for my case? No. no. Not, not a single time in history. <laughs> you shouldn't be, because it's Good. sad. They're always okay. just a slap in the face. Yeah. yeah. I feel damaged after yeah. when, we, when we're when we done. Well, I'll be ready to coddle you. So yeah. this one will make you realize that true love is a myth. <laughs> oh, well, I knew this. Where have you two been <laughs> clinging to that reality? Yeah, it's and I'm in a great relationship. It's a series of compromises at best. <laughs> All right. Patricia Lynn Kearney was born in 1960 and grew up in Horseshoe Bay, British Columbia. Again, with the British Columbia. Still haven't yeah, looked you it are up. Never loving Canada these days. It's impossible to know. Mm-hmm. Now I'm curious. I'm going to Google British Columbia. Okay. Do it. Oh, she I know exactly where it is because we learned that song in German class for whatever reason. It's all the provinces west to east. So it's far, guten far tag, west. Guten Tag. Guten no, that's because, tag, remember, that's British why. British Columbia. No. It's British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Manitoba. And that's why I said Ontario that one time and you made fun of me. <laughs> And why did we learn this song about Canadian provinces in German class? It's (laughs) it's never been cleared up. I have no idea. The only time I ever learned about Canada was in German class. It was like an entire year of German class was about Canada, which they do not speak German in Canada. I have questions, but I don't feel like asking them right now. As a French Canadian. Yeah. A German Canadian. Okay. So... Patricia, who went by Trish, was one of four siblings, three girls. So Patricia, Catherine, and Leslie, and then one brother, Michael. And the family described Trish uh, as, quote, always a bit of a tomboy and adventurous. Okay. Classic Trish. Trish. Classic Trish. Vintage Trish. Vintage Trish. Trish's father would worry that his daughter was a bit naive, but others said that she was just a free spirit. I really thought you were going to say Trish's father would worry that she was a bit of a lesbian. (laughs) No. Because I feel like every parent who's like, she's a tomboy. It's like, (laughs) just embrace the possibility that your child is gay. Well, I just like to play outside a lot. I like to play outside a lot. And there are so many ways that could go. Just calm down about it, Trish's father. I hate the term tomboy. I hate it too. Sorry I wear pants. Pants, slacks, <laughs> slacks, <laughs> trousers. <laughs> Sorry, I love a high waisted trouser <laughs> at the age of 11. 
<laughs> elephant pants. Oh, love it. Loved me pants. some elephant pants yeah. before I had hips. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> So at some point, Trish developed an incurable nerve disorder that caused numbness, tingling, and muscle weakness, but she never let her disability slow her down. Trish continued to travel and pursue hobbies like scuba diving and softball, so she was way more fucking active than I have If she can't scuba, what has this all been about? Exactly. (laughs) She was also a big hockey fan rooting for the Vancouver Canucks. Hmm. So that answers that question from two years ago. (laughs) Whether Canuck was a slur. Whether Canuck was derogatory. (laughs) No, it's just Canadian. Jury is still out, I think. I'm not convinced one way or another. You're not Canucked. I'm not Canucked. I don't feel connected to this term, so I can't really speak on it. <laughs> Canuckin could convince me that it's not nope. insulting to somebody. <laughs> okay, Canuck is an Canuck. Um, <laughs> Canuck is Canuck. <laughs> In 1990, Trish met fellow free spirit Dean J. Fletcher in Whistler, where he was working as a self-employed carpenter. Dean, although he mostly grew up in Canada, was actually an American citizen. Dean was a bit of a drifter. He was constantly making plans to move to new places, and Trish was adventurous as well, and so she enjoyed hearing about these plans, and they kind of got her excited and motivated. Titillated. Titillated. Trishelated. Misty. (laughs) Trishelated. Wet. Okay. (laughs) This is the saline crimes. I'm getting Trish right off her chair. Guess she gets wet. So, you know, she was very intrigued by Dean. Um, He was also known to be a bit of a, quote, roughneck and to also have a short temper. That was the scuttlebutt of the time. Mm. That he was a roughneck. Sounds like a real flag. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people said that he was very protective of Trish. Mm. That always weird creeps me out. Yeah. Like patriarchal. She doesn't really protective seems like a really like blanket term to just wipe away somebody's anger management issues. Uh-huh. Or, or like controlling behavior. It's definitely right. like, patriarchal bullshit. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. It doesn't sit well. Well, especially mm-hmm. when it's a man feeling protective of mm-hmm. a woman, it's Over like a woman. okay, yeah. control issues. I think right. is what mm-hmm. that translates to. Okay. It creeps mm-hmm. me out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The pair became close friends for almost a decade until around Christmas 1999, their friendship blossomed into romance. Mm. Right before Y2K, they just figure if we're going to go down. Let's party like it's 1999. Right. We may as well go down on each other. With the ship. Remember Y2K, you guys? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it was a big deal. I ate and drank so much silver to prepare for (laughs) medication shortages. Yeah, you're you're still blue. (laughs) I remember being a kid and being like, 
So what if the computer thinks it's 1900? The computer doesn't know what 1900 means. To be fair, though, the only reason we look back at Y2K and like brush it off and speak nonchalantly about it is because massive teams of like computer geniuses worked around the clock to keep anything from happening on that day. Is that true? Yes. There was a lot of have happened otherwise, though. Because the computers were not prepared for that switch. And so like a lot of coding had to go into that programming to keep shit from getting fucked up. And they did a really good job. So nothing happened. I still don't sort get of, it. I don't believe it when it I see it. In year I mean, 3, the point 000. is you didn't have to see it because it didn't happen because people prevented it from happening. Fake news. Okay. So I'm not connect about that. Okay. <laughs> So when their friendship blossomed into romance, Trish was 39 years old and Dean was 37 years old. In 2000, after the horrors of Y2K had ravaged the world, (laughs) Dean... (laughs) After the IT team has recovered... (laughs) Yeah. Dean bought a 44 foot, which is approximately 13 and a half meters, a long wooden cutter named Umi. The pair spent the next three years learning to sail it and kitting it out to suit them. And the project was a dream come true for both. Mm. That's a big boat. It's a big boat. And Mm -hmm. like learning to sail a boat of that size on your own is like... That's big. No small feat. Not to mention, like, rehabbing it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By November 2003, the Yumi, or Umi, had, uh, was ready to set sail. Departing out of Southern California, Trish and Dean spent the next three years sailing around the world from Mexico down to South America and then on to the South Pacific. So they fucking went for it. But in 2006, the Umi ran aground on a reef and couldn't be repaired. Mm. They needed a vessel, and they sought the help of a yacht brokerage in New Zealand. So they needed a new boat because they didn't want to, like, call it quits, but, like, the Umi is fucked. Were they in New Zealand or, like, offshore near New Zealand? Uh, They weren't. It sounds like they weren't far. Yeah. Okay. There they purchased a 34-foot wooden sloop, the Olwen, and sailed between New Zealand and the island of Tonga, uh, which was about 1,500 miles away. Sol mm-hmm. Polynesian Triangle. There yep, it is. All in that sweet spot of paradise. Mm-hmm. The Kingdom of Tonga, little side note, is a small archipelago nation in Polynesia scattered over 270,000 square miles in the Pacific Ocean. Just Tonga. Jesus. I didn't realize that was that big. Wow. Yeah. It consists of 169 islands, of which 36 are currently inhabited. Dang. The population is just over Inhabited 100. by people, I assume you mean. Yes, by humans. humans. There's got to okay. be birds and bugs and shit. Right. There's definitely yeah. some sort of ecosystem, but it's just not inhabited by mankind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Although I bet some of the islands like don't have much going on, but some- Yeah, if it's have, like just rock do. formations, yeah. basically, nothing can really live on that. Yeah. Because they all need fresh water- for mm-hmm. like mammals. 
Anyway. It is a mix. Yeah. Also, like, even New Zealand didn't didn't have mammals until they were brought over. Like, New Zealand just evolved with, like, birds and insects. Mm -hmm. That's outrageous. So uh, the population is just over 100,000 people, and 70% of those people live on the main island of Tongatapu, where the capital city, Nuku'alofa, is located. And I'm sorry if I mispronounce any of that. Incidentally, around the same time, Nuku'olofa and the country as a whole was going through some serious shit, including like major government corruption and riots and and protests. You don't say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the necessary Mm -hmm. uprisings of the people in order to enact change Change. and create a more equitable society. You don't say. But that's neither here nor there. So. Mm Mm-hmm. The couple began splitting their time between New Zealand and Tonga while living on the yacht. So they are just sailing back and forth, living the dream. Dean found fairly steady work repairing boats and helping people to move their yachts during storm season. So he basically was like a ship captain for hire, basically. According to friends who Trish corresponded with back in Canada, she loved the, quote, no attitudes, no crap vibe of Tonga. Okay. So they are fucking loving it. And if you're She's like thriving. me and have seen Captain Ron like 75 to 100 times. You love that movie I love so Captain much. Ron. Oh, it's no, it's Overboard. Also Overboard. Mm-hmm. Definitely seen that 100 times. It's because I feel like I am Goldie Hawn, and therefore I love Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's it fine. makes sense. It's linear. I get it. Yeah. It's, lo- it's nothing but logic. Right. <laughs> so Trish also sent fairly regular emails to her siblings back in Canada, but they, they were usually like pretty surface level, and she didn't really get into details about her relationship with Dean. They're emails back home to your siblings, so you're not going to be like, our sex life has really taken a turn and blah, blah. Mm. No, it's like, <laughs> don't speak great. for me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how my sister and I talk to each other. I, That's true. I do know. I can guess how Ashley wants you to talk to her. (laughs) Here's a picture. Do you think this is an ingrown hair or an STD? What should I do? It's an ingrown hair. I'll just just FaceTime you. Hold on. Let me FaceTime you. Are you you at school? Are you working? Are you working? Okay, I'm calling. I'm calling. Look at this. Look at this rash. (laughs) All right, so, so look at this rash. <laughs> Every time I do it, makes me laugh. Look at this swollen rash. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes Nickelback is Canadian. It all tracks. <laughs> sometimes in these emails, Trish sounded homesick. So in some of the emails that she sent home in 2011, she was always asking for updates on how the Vancouver Canucks were doing, and wrote, "quote I sure miss the hockey." Oh man, <laughs> can relate. No hockey in Tanga. Mm-hmm. Hard to be a hockey fan in Tonga. Yeah. So in uh, 2015, remember, they left, they started their whole sailing life in 2003. 
Yeah, they've been on the sea for a while. Dying. Yeah. In 2015, Dean was doing well enough financially that he was able to buy a new yacht, a 41-foot fiberglass boat that he named the Sea Oak. Trish seemed excited about the new boat. She wrote in an email to her brother that, quote, the boat is even nicer than the photos. I'm oh, in love. Photos just don't do it justice, no. you know? You got to see the boat in person. Mm-hmm. Come here, come take a day out on the boat with us. Yeah, the Sea Oak. The mm-hmm. Sea Oak. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they name the fiberglass boat the Sea Oak? The Sea Oak. Sea Oak. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's the Sea Oak. <laughs> uh, the sea op. <laughs> that would be my boat. <laughs> the SS op just going to sneak right past you. <laughs> I like the SS op. Just that. SS op. op. <laughs> but a year later, she returned home to Canada for a visit and indicated to her siblings that she was growing tired of living so far away from home and the nomadic lifestyle of being on the boat all the time. Plus, her health problems were increasing her sense of exhaustion. Imagine having oh. constant chronic pain, nerve, nerve pain. pain, and living on a sailboat Where in you, the I middle like, of Polynesia. Yeah. I had like a brief bout of neuropathy, which is like nerve damage that causes pain in my legs. Mm-hmm. And I was put on a medication to help take care of it. But it was like the fucking worst for like six mm-hmm. months. Yeah. Because it was, I thought I had restless leg syndrome. Like the only time I felt comfortable is if I was like jostling my legs. I couldn't sleep. I was tired all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I can't even imagine what she was going through because I only had like a little fucking taste of Mm -hmm. what that must have felt like. And Mm -hmm. it sucked. My lower, oh, sorry. My lower left eyelid was twitching for like two or three hours earlier today. That's not pain. That's just being annoyed. And I almost like cut my eyelid off and dug your eyeball out. Yeah. Yeah. I was a whiny (laughs) ass motherfucker when I had shingles. Mm -hmm. It was real painful. And like Mm -hmm. she didn't have access to like regular good health care. You know, they're living on a boat. A regular clinician. On the ocean. Yeah. 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 Also, you're on a sailboat. You don't get to be like, you know what? My back hurts today. I'm, I'm going to take I'm, the day I'm off. I'm going to take the day off. It's like, mm. yeah. yeah, no, you're the crew. You, do, yeah. you don't, you don't move and you're in extreme danger by yeah. doing that. So, and, and there's just, it's so, there's such physicality that comes to uh-huh. sailing. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway. Which is why I never did it. <laughs> Pontoon life. It is technically a sport. So technically mm. Kenyon and I you're athletes. are athletes. Lettered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Athletes. I haven't. Yeah. Haven't sailed a sailboat in like probably eight years, but yeah. Well. So her brother remembers her saying during that visit, quote, I just can't do it anymore. Poor thing. (gasps) So she was, she was over it, but Dean, that's like his career. Yeah. That's his love. That's Mm -hmm. what he's invested his money in. Yeah. She's kind of at her wits end, but Dean, her love is like in this Mm -hmm. and so she decides to return Mm. but it wasn't long before her story took a tragic turn I knew you were going to kill her off because I like her. You were going to kill her off. I Kenyon wrote this. Kenyon wrote this. It's her narrative. (laughs) Okay. I'm 
<laughs> I didn't do this. I'm not God. Okay. Kenyon's just dean in a wig. You would kill her off. And <laughs> yeah. he killed her off. No. Okay. <laughs> you have blood on your hands. I do fucking George not take R. responsibility for this. <laughs> okay. On July 6th, 2016, Dean emailed Trisha's siblings back in the Vancouver area. His email read simply, quote, Dean here from Tonga. There's no easy way to say this. Trish passed away in her sleep. She went peacefully. In an email? Dean here. Dean here. Per my last email, your beloved relative is dead. Your daughter and sister. Sent from my iPhone. She's, yeah, she passed away in her sleep. She went peacefully. Dean out. Holy shit, that is some cold. LMK, if you have any cues. Communicating. Right? LMK. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh Uh-uh. But his story quickly fell apart. I know you're both shocked. What story? What story? That she she passed away in her sleep. quickly fell apart. His text message. Yeah. Holy shit. That three different diving operators had witnessed Dean the day before assaulting his wife after she picked him up in a dinghy to take him back to their yacht from the dock. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, she picked him up from the dock and in, a, in, like, a little dinghy, and he literally started, like, hitting her in front of people. Yup. He sounds awesome. <clears throat> Tell us more. What if the abuse is that bad... In Out public, in the open. In public, and that I, I can't, can't imagine, even imagine on a boat, isolated nope, in the isolated ocean from everyone. for years. Yep. You have no one to call. Mm-hmm. You already oh have constant God. chronic pain. No. Yep. Oh, this woman. This I'm so dude's sad. Dude's a piece of shit. So this, I mean, we don't really do trigger warnings, but just given, given what we've been going through the past few weeks, just be aware. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're all very sensitive, so that's a good thing to note. One witness reported seeing Dean, quote, slam his knee into her neck and punch her in the head. Jesus Christ. Uh Uh-uh. He uh reportedly continued assaulting her as they disembarked from the dinghy and onto the sea oak. And all of these scuba divers just... They're all just witnesses. Nobody fucking did anything. Nobody intervened. You're watching this happen. Who do, who do you call? Like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Don't just watch it happen. Oh, I'm so mad. I'm so fucking That's mad. That's why people are told to yell fire instead of rape, because people do not intervene when it comes to sexual and gender-based violence. That's I will so say one time, I was in a taxi in China, And I saw a woman getting beaten up by a guy and there were people everywhere. Nobody did anything. I was in a taxi in a very foreign country, so I I didn't do anything. I I don't know what I could have done. But uh, every, you know, the cab driver saw it and said, you know, made some comment like, oh, nobody did anything. There were dozens and dozens of people everywhere. Yep. And he was like pulling her hair and punching her in the in the face. It was deeply, Fuck. deeply disturbing. I think about that all, all pretty regularly, and I feel guilty that there's I don't I don't know what I could have done, but I'm Ugh. pissed that nobody else did anything. Right. 
domestic violence and intimate partner violence is a fucking epidemic. It's a mm. pandemic. I mean, it's everywhere. Mm. It's in every mm-hmm. society, but it's a fucking epidemic in the U.S. and in in North America. And we all we all need to do more to stop it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's way more common than anyone wants to believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can, and it happens to, you know, educated middle class, upper middle class. Like it happens to everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the very next morning, Dean went to the Tonga police to report that his wife had died after quote, slipping and hitting her head on their yacht. So mm, already there up three different stories. Yeah. Yeah. And she clearly has wounds. So he mm-hmm. has to make it look like mm-hmm. it's not wounds that he inflicted. He, that Great. he didn't Got beat it. her to death. Mm-hmm. Yep. An investigation turned up the witnesses who had seen Dean beating Trish in the dinghy, as well as an additional witness who had later seen Dean back in the dinghy throwing a bloody bed sheet into the sea. No. You have Fuck. all of Polynesia to, like, yep. not have witnesses. What the fuck are you doing, bruh? Mm. Fucking seriously. He should have dumped her body in there, too. No, but I feel like abusers get so emboldened the yeah. longer they're allowed or they go the longer they go unnoticed mm-hmm. and go unchecked and so of course it's going to culminate in a moment like this where he's been at sea with this woman Does, for six years now or however fucking long doing whatever he fucking wants long fucking doing whatever the t- fuck he 12 wants years. no mm-hmm. checks and balances and now of course he's going to brazenly do this in front of witnesses without any fucking fear of repercussion. Yep. That's just the natural next step of this kind of violence. Yep. That's human nature. I've never been punished for it before. What could possibly That's happen? That's the police yeah. force. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Ugh, We're staying away from now. current anyway. events because anyway. it's too much. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> An autopsy on Trish determined that the cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head, which also caused bleeding on the brain and an obviously body. Mm-hmm. Dean was then detained by Tonga police. Meanwhile, Trisha's family had initially taken Dean's word about the circumstances of her death because they hadn't yeah, seen her in a while. Yeah, because what else would they know? Yeah, they didn't know. They'd been together a long time. They didn't know there was abuse in the relationship. And she had health, serious health issues. So they just, you know. Took it at face value yeah. that she had passed away. Mm-hmm. He, they had known. He'd been in their lives for 20-some years. Oh, and he's postured so perfectly to just gaslight everyone mm-hmm. around him about this situation, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they had written him sympathetic emails and checked in on his well-being. Right. Like, oh, my God. You lost so your how partner. Are you? Yeah, exactly. And they had assured him that, um, and he had assured them that he was devastated but okay and that he was at work dealing with all of the, the planning and the burial and everything. But when he very soon thereafter basically fell off the face of the earth and stopped responding to emails, they became suspicious. Yep. He gets to move on now. Well, also he'd been arrested. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Sorry. So they did some internet sleuthing and were horrified to find the news about the murder investigation into Dean. Imagine all of this going down with your sister a bajillion miles away. Right. Holy shit. 
Trisha's sisters, Leslie and Catherine, immediately made plans to fly to Tonga and arrange for their sister's burial and to meet with law enforcement and, like, figure out what the fuck was going on. Yup, I'd be on my fucking way. And in this meeting, they were told that based on the autopsy report and witness accounts, their sister had likely died, quote, due to a fit of rage, which erases, like, the subject of that sentence. Any culpability. Yeah, exactly. A fit it of makes rage it appear like it's a him. one-time emotionally motivated outburst and not a long history mm-hmm. of continued quiet abuse against this woman. It doesn't even mm-hmm. point a finger at a perpetrator. It's like that tombstone mm-hmm. we saw that said he died due to g- complications a from gun- a gunshot wound. From a gunshot wound. <laughs> he was shot and he died. Yeah, yeah exactly. That is mm-hmm. fucked. Shit. Due to yep. a fit of rage. Well, I mean, it's almost comforting mm-hmm. to know that like police forces combustion. around the world are garbage. It's not just here. Mm-hmm. Solidarity. At least there is some sort of jurisdiction to investigate this. Because as we know from our cruise ship disappearances right. episode. Maritime law and shit. That, that jurisdiction factor can really, really fuck up cases, especially when I'm, it comes to, wow, yeah. you're thirsty. You're this is where Canyon has pushed me. You're gonna yeah. need more. So, while in police custody, Dean made two attempts to escape. Oh my, of course he fucking did. Yep. Of course he did. In the first, he asked for permission to use the bathroom, but while being questioned by detectives and attempted to flee. I've literally been there when we were Lucy. detained in Canada, almost the ditched Canyon. That's like exactly it, what Ted Bundy did to get out of the yeah. courthouse on that uh, first escape. He was Apparently, in the library. He's learned from history. <laughs> so Dean was detained again after a brief chase on foot and held in custody. A couple months later, Dean tried to make a run for it again, and this time he was successful. Oh, for no. fuck's sake. Dean. For- Police were not able to catch him, and he was seen by witnesses sailing away in a boat. Mother You don't fucker. say. You don't say. <laughs> sailing away in his house that he's been living in I don't for think the it last was his boat. Years. I think he literally just, like, took a boat that he Probably. saw. But, like, he knows how to sail, so he just, like, yes. got it going. Yeah. Oh, my I swear God. to God, it's, it's like... We talked about this in the last episode we recorded. It's like sometimes in situations like this, it's like prison is just a suggestion. Yeah. Like how does this happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what, 2015 when this happened? 2016? I, until yeah. we did this podcast, I just didn't, I didn't think anyone escaped prison since like 1910. Apparently it since happens. like Alcatraz. All this the fucking time. 2016 or 2017. Anyway, oh my God, we wrongfully imprisoned so many people, and then mm-hmm. the people who did fucking do it can like get out with a spoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pressure so, and time. I hate it. <laughs> he made it about three hundred miles to American Samoa, where he was arrested, and he definitely chose American Samoa on purpose because it's American, and he's American. Mm-hmm. And because American Samoa does not have a federal court system, he was moved by U.S. Marshals to a detention center in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm just not convinced that, like, he didn't have help. 
He's white. He's American. Everything is corrupt. We don't he's know exactly rich. how he escaped from prison. I'm just, I don't know. I don't trust fucking anything. Yeah. Ever, ever anymore, ever again. So, except for Ray. <laughs> Dead ass. <laughs> Ray's massive body. I love him so much. Ray for president. He takes How much up does he so weigh? much room. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be at least 20 pounds. 18 yeah. cubic tons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So meanwhile, Dean was indicted on murder charges in Tonga and they sought extradition. So he like made it to U.S. territory and then was transferred mm-hmm. to like, you know, to Hawaii. And Tonga is like, no, like mm. he fucking killed someone here. 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 Get your ass Get back, him back here. here. That's how extradition works. works. Mm-hmm. I hate this fucking guy so much. A U.S. judge in Hawaii ruled that he could be extradited back to the island nation to face trial. But then, in November of 2017, the U.S. State Department stepped in and refused to extradite him, citing Why do we let men be in charge of anything? What's the logic? Citing concerns about Tonga's inability to provide a fair trial. I don't give a fuck. He clearly murdered his wife. Bye. Yeah. Also, what are their grounds for the inability to provide a fair trial? This is like a completely developed society with a long history of like checks and balances and a judicial system all their own. There's no fucking reason for that. So it's, it's some of it makes a little bit of sense and some of it is very hypocritical. So specifically, the State Department expressed concern that Dean would not be provided with a free defense attorney because that's not the system in Tonga. And he's like, rich. He doesn't one. need a free one. Yeah, he doesn't actually need a free one. Um, and then the second part is very hypocritical. They were like, well, he could be sentenced to life in prison or death. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, he he the United States. He, uh, yeah, exactly. He absolutely could in the U.S. as well. So what? Okay, so what you're saying is William Barr was in charge of oh, basically yeah, the no. department at this time. Okay. Well, Literally, who was? Because it was 2017. So was it Sessions or was it Barr? It was Sessions. Sessions. Yeah. In 2017, that'd be Jeff Sessions. Yeah. So there you go. Wow. So fuck that motherfucker. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Well, (sighs) Jeff, he was the attorney general, so I don't know who was in charge of the State Department, but yeah. I'm still blaming Jeff Sessions. This decision was unusual because the U.S. has an extradition treaty with Tonga. Mm -hmm. And if there are concerns about a country's ability to provide a fair trial, that usually results in just not signing the extradition treaty. And they signed signed it. it. What the fuck? So these decisions are not typically made on a case-by-case basis, but they were here. Great. Cool. Jeff Sessions was probably like, you know what? Nah. I've accidentally killed a couple women in a Big fit of rage deal. before. <laughs> right. It happens. I get it. it happens to everyone. Yeah. It happens to there are good people on both sides. Right. And I'm just gonna we're gonna take care of this. Mm-hmm. Us whiteies have to stick together. Oh, Jesus. 
Also, it's unclear if the cited concerns were even valid because if Dean had received a death sentence, it would have been the first in Tonga since 1981. Right. So they don't so even... fuck you. Look at the history. It's so unlikely to even get a sentence like that there. Fuck off. Yeah, it's much more likely to get a death sentence in the U.S. than in Tonga. Dude, you try him in Florida. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. Alabama. Good luck. Yeah. Although it is true that Tonga does not have a public defender system, so he would have had to pay for his own lawyer gas. Oh, no. God forbid, Says the person sell who's one lived of on a boats. yacht yeah. for yeah, the exactly. last fucking 12 sell years. Sell your fucking Fuck yacht. You. Yeah. You piece of shit. God damn it. God So, damn it. according, to, I told you you'd need more wine. According I'm to, so unhappy right now. <laughs> According to a, out of a bridge. Drink your juice. Take your medicine. Just let it do its job. Let it wash over your poop deck. <laughs> so according to a letter from the U.S. State Department, the then Secretary of State Rex Tillerson... Can I leave? Three oil barrels in a trench coat. (laughs) Quite literally, three oil barrels in a trench coat with like the the like the glasses with the mustache and the nose attached, just like propped on the top. Could we say there are three butts in a trench coat? (laughs) Yes. There are three scuttled butts in a trench coat. Holy shit. So Tillerson had, quote, exercised his discretion when making Uh the decision to not extradite Dean. And so. Were they in the same frat in college? Probably. Did they boof together? They probably boofed together. (laughs) And so after a year in prison in Hawaii. Dean was released. No. A year? I'm sorry. Prison in Hawaii sounds dreamy. Mm -hmm. Right? In an interview upon leaving the detention center, so not even prison, just a detention center. Yeah, because he was probably just awaiting a trial that never fucking happened. Yeah, he wasn't ever convicted. He wasn't brought up on charges. Right. Dean stated, quote, I love my wife with all my heart and soul, and it's a tragic accident, and there's nothing I regret worse than the death of my wife. I had nothing to do with it. Besides beating her in front of multiple witnesses. And disposing of a bloody sheet. Yeah, what the fuck? You're not innocent. She got her period. Mm. He also said. I've I've had to throw a sheet away. Yeah. A sheet or two. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? But not in the middle of the night off of the poop deck of a boat. Right. No. Have your husband do it. No, you did it your goddamn self. I might have had Corey do it, but it's neither (laughs) here nor there. (laughs) He also said that it, quote, felt wonderful to finally be a free man. (sighs) The murder charge in Tonga remains active, and he could technically be extradited from another country if he ever leaves the U.S. For example, if he ever went back to Canada, Canada could agree to extradite him to Tonga. So what's he doing? He's just going to chill in Hawaii and just live in paradise so that he never gets extradited back to Tonga? I suppose living in the U.S. right now with no chance of escape is a punishment in itself at this present moment in time. But Fair, but Hawaii seems... Like a pretty all right trade off. True. Very for true. Bre- being brought up on murder charges. Very true. We do, I don't know that he's still in Hawaii, but he's still in the US. 
Yeah. So the murder charge, like I said, it remains active. Dean continues to maintain his innocence while Trisha's family continues to publicly insist on his guilt and their desire for justice. They believe that Dean killed Trish because she told him of her plans to leave and move back home and he got enraged. Yeah, she'd been miserable. And, or and he's been beating hum- her this whole time, and one time he just went too far because it was bound to happen. Right. Honestly, both. Both of Either those things way. can be true. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, when an abuse victim decides to leave is when the risk of homicide increases the most. Yeah, it's one of the most dangerous times for that victim of abuse. Right. So that would fit like a fucking jigsaw piece into this whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dean insisted that he and Trish were happy and had been making plans to marry. Oh, so some people, some some articles refer to them as like husband and wife because they'd been together for so long. So they were like common law married and some don't. So anyway, so he said that they'd been making plans to marry, a claim that her family strongly disputes. Dean's current whereabouts seem to be unknown other than that he is living somewhere in the U.S. He is still in touch with his family in Canada, but he may be living under a different name in the States. I will find you. Go take I a look at all the photos. find He's you. He's living under the name unique. Cappy. Oh, no. Don't disparage Cappy. I didn't mean to, but he it could be anybody. He could be anybody, but he's just been back since 2017, and... um. Go take a look at the photos. He looks like a Because, yeah, he's very distinct looking. He looks like a giant Republican scrotum. (laughs) His mother told the press that he is working to rebuild his life and that she hopes he can overcome the experience of being, quote, brutalized by the South Pacific media. Fuck you. That ain't happy either. Fuck you. You. So the Tonga acting attorney general, Aminyasi Kefu, stated in a 2017 interview, quote, we believe he's committed a crime here in Tonga and we won't stop until we're able to bring him to justice. And the- I mean, good for them. But like, what the fuck can you even do? You can't come here and physically grab him and take well, him back there. Maybe can you? if the administration changes, we can raise Push enough attention. Yeah, to push that's for fair. Extradition. I will make a petition. Fucking vote. Voting matters. Are you listening, matter. Joe Biden? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Kearney family no, continues to hold out hope that he will face trial, but they acknowledge that this may never happen. And that Ugh. is my case. Wow. <sighs> Just no, no justice. Yeah, poor Trish. He Cheers literally to Trish. prison. To Trish for being a to fucking Trish. badass. And yeah. like and living on a boat for a million years. You did and not deserve the multitudes. You did not deserve to go that way. The multitudes of people that have been brutalized and met an untimely end at the hands of an abusive partner and have that just go completely unpunished, noticed, and unpunished. There is just no fucking justice in this world. I'm just going to get drunk. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Well, should, should we, we hear, hear a word from our sponsors? <laughs> So we've talked before about discovering Everly Well, which is the amazing at-home wellness test that helps you better understand your health. 
And I recently did my Everlywell at-home lab test and tested myself for food sensitivity, especially because we're just at home all the time. We're cooking more ourselves. We have a little bit more control right now over like what we're eating rather than going to even just a restaurant and not necessarily knowing every ingredient that's in the meal that you order. Mm-hmm. So it felt like the right time during all of these unprecedented times to take that test and then be like, okay, here are some things that I can <laughs> enjoy in moderation. <laughs> and I got the terrifying results a few days ago that indicate <laughs> what I think I already knew. That I am indeed sensitive to dairy. Oh, no. Uh, Better uh, to know and feel better about yourself. Exactly. It was hard to see those results. And it was like, I know that I was having adverse reactions to dairy, but I wasn't sure. And this just gave me that clarity that I guess I needed. And now maybe I'm not going to cut dairy entirely out of my diet because, hi, I'm not. But at least I can go into my day-to-day cooking plans, making more informed decisions and allowing me to make choices that are just going to make me feel better. And also, like, I can prepare. Now I know I'm sensitive to dairy if I'm reaching for the craft Parm I have to like moderate myself. Exactly. It's null it's information and exactly. that's never a bad thing. And Everlywell has really given me a positive new outlook on my health by like letting me plan. So finally I have some information that I can actually use and put into practice. Everlywell offers more than 35 different at-home lab tests from fertility to food sensitivity to thyroid and heart health. Each Everlywell test comes with super easy to follow instructions and every test is physician reviewed and the shipping is free. Tell us more, Lucy. Love free shipping. Your results are reviewed by a board-certified physician. Then they are sent directly to you digitally within just days. Yup. I happened to get my email alert while I was at the grocery store so I could, like, immediately implement the suggestions Mm -hmm. made by my thyroid health results. Mm Mm-hmm. You can even share them with your healthcare provider if you want some more information or just, like, you know, some one-on-one tips on, like how to be proactive given this information. Yep. Your results are personalized and easy to understand so you know exactly what they mean for you. So to start better understanding your health like I did, check out Everly Well today. Mm. So for 20% off an Everly Well at-home lab test, visit everlywell.com forward slash gals20, that's G-A-L-S-2-0, and enter the code gals20. Again, that's everlywell.com forward slash gals20, code gals20 for 20% off your test. Everly Well, at-home lab tests, your answers, your way, treat your info. Oh, treat it. As folks adapt to this changing world, we're all going to be buying more stuff online than ever before. And if you are an e-commerce seller or, say, a podcast Mm -hmm. that sells merchandise, (laughs) are you ready to meet the demands of our new delivery culture? I don't know. But we can tell you from personal experience that you can be ready with 
ShipStation. And why choose ShipStation? Because when you're selling online, getting a lot of orders out fast can be super tough. And you have to think about things like how you keep track of who gets what and which shipping carrier that you should use. Are you getting the best rates? I don't know. But you know who does know? ShipStation. This is why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. Just a few clicks and you'll be managing your orders, printing out labels, and getting your product to happy customers. ShipStation makes it easy. Tell us more, Lucy. Uh, I kind of... This is an embarrassing confession, but I sort of like think of ShipStation as like my boyfriend. Yeah, I was going to say, if you weren't already married, you'd be married to ShipStation. I'd be committed to ShipStation. Wedded. I mean, I'm fully committed, but, yeah, you know, ShipStation just hasn't put a ring on it yet, and I guess Mm. that's fine, but I rely on ShipStation every single day when it comes to our online orders. ShipStation Mm -hmm. helps online sellers of any size get orders out quickly, helps you save money on shipping costs, and it helps you keep customers happy. The interface is so simple. I have the app on my phone. I can, Mm -hmm. like, check Mm -hmm. on orders, uh, you know, when I'm away from my computer. Yeah, sipping a cocktail at the hotel bar. Oh, now you're speaking my language. Right? But no matter what you're selling, if it's like Amazon, Etsy, your own website, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com, ShipStation (laughs) ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. And like I said, super easy to manage from any device, including your cell phone. ShipStation mm-hmm. works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. They're everywhere. Yeah. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Yep. I recently optimized our like our, our postage costs. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Yeah. It's just so easy, and I love that they offer that service. Yeah, so now, we're still working with, with USPS, so we're still supporting the United States Postal Service. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's amazing, and I do feel really good about that. Mm-hmm. But now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for, like, big Fortune 500 companies. Yep. So you know you're always going to get the best deal. So mm-hmm. it's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers who ship more in less time with the best rates available. And I would argue, excellent customer service. Oh, 100%. They've been amazing. Oh, yeah. And right now, Wine and Crime listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code GALS, G-A-L-S. So make your make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in GALS, G-A-L-S. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code GALS. ShipStation, make ship happen. Oh, make it. All right, are we ready for my? I'm I'm ready for a a lighthearted tack. Yeah, I'm gonna say, are you ready for my case in massive quotation marks? Mm. Because this is really anything but great. <laughs> anything so, scuttlebutt. Anything scuttlebutt. <laughs> so when I think of sailing. I think of our childhood days spent on the Excelsior shores of Lake Minnetonka, watching the boats I never set foot on float by. (laughs) Because sailing immediately makes me think of Lake Minnetonka and casual boating in general. I deviated a bit from the path 
AKA misunderstood the assignment intentionally in order to cover this story instead. Great. Great. <laughs> so let's go back to high school when if you were one of the cool Minnetonka elites, your summer weekends were likely filled with boat parties on the infamous Big Island. Now, if you were any of us, <laughs> you were spending your summer weekends coloring on your own jeans, <laughs> making out with one of the boys who worked at the Doc Cinema so Ugh. you could see Vin Diesel in Triple X for the 30th time for free with free concessions. We're Guilty. Literally all three of us are in that boat. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not partying on Big Island. But no. for those who were... In the summer of 2019, I wrote 2013, but I really mean 2019, <laughs> their carefree lake romps turned real poopy real quick. And is my segment being used <laughs> as revenge for all the parties we didn't get invited to in high school? Absolutely it is. I was going to say, this is some good schadenfreude. This is one third my show. I get to do whatever the fuck I want for the next 15 minutes. Amanda and I were popular for like a one four day. day. It was like a four day stretch. We went Not to- long enough to make it to Big Island. That's for goddamn <laughs> no, sure. No, but it was also That's in like for January. goddamn sure. <laughs> We I was not walked. there for that. I was very far away. You were in away. France. <laughs> I was Your on a whole big town. farm. <laughs> <laughs> Eating pumpkin soup for every meal on a pig farm in I France. I was real popular on that pig farm. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so, each year for the 4th of July, Big Island has a massive party boat like Tie up extravaganza. Super dangerous. You can just like walk around on different Literally. boats. Where rich white kids link their boats to each other and compete over who can play the worst music the loudest and who can get the drunkest the fastest. Yeah. yeah. And the most sunburned. Back to the sunburns. Yep. I can't Always deal. back to the sunburns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And twisted ankles. It's a lot. Yeah. Ugh. It's too much. No. Quote, so how it kind of works is boats tie up on the left and the right, and there's a walkway through the middle, says 24-year-old Austin Hilgenberg, a regular at tie-ups on Lake Minnetonka. I've never that heard is... of a tie-up. I, I I know what you're saying. Because we weren't invited. But the term. We were not invited. Yeah, no. these, were, these were the people that were having sex in high school. Yeah. I yeah, had sex in high us. school. Yeah, but not until late. Times. These are the people who were having sex freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. And who the like quote continues. Pot. Yeah. If you're a <laughs> landlubber, picture Minnetonka or Minnesota's floating version of a party on South Padre Island. People walk on the backs of boats or hop in the water and swim, Hilgenberg adds. Mm -hmm. No one goes on shore because it's rocky and there are no trespassing signs. <laughs> oh. This year. Oh, My Sperry's couldn't take it. Could not take it. They're not meant to be fully submerged. Uh, <laughs> this year, the first row tied up in deeper water, so it was about five feet deep, up to my shoulders. My girlfriend was on my shoulders because she didn't want to get her makeup wet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Who are Quote these people? From an article. These are the people who didn't invite us to parties. <laughs> That's who these people are. Honestly, my ankles are in pretty good condition because we didn't go to these parties. We didn't go. Yeah. I know. I don't have skin cancer because we didn't mm. go to these parties. Yeah. So July of 2019 was no different. And these events typically go relatively smoothly. 
No big fights, no deaths, just a bunch of morons on boats for a day celebrating the birth of America. We call them morons, but also we would have given an appendage to go to these parties. I would have been one of those morons. In an instant. Do you remember? Do you remember that one summer when um, my giant won't say his real name and Malix and his other friend (laughs) came on my pontoon for like two days. I feel like you're still riding high from that experience. Yeah, it was (laughs) a lot, and you know, a sexual awakening for the three of us. The shorter one, three of us, interested and not an exact line back to my sexual awakening, and it was that night in July on your pontoon on Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, circling it. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) Anyway. Good times. Yes. They went to these parties. They did, yes. So two days later, on July 6th, something started happening to the Big Island party attendees. COVID-19. People were... Yep. (laughs) People who were there for the celebration started to get violently ill with vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal cramps. Did they eat the shrimp? No, this is just them (laughs) out on the lake. They brought their own food. It was not a shellfish situation. According to MSP Magazine, quote, some had visited the doctor or or even the hospital, but no one had a name for the illness. Bougie. Public health officials leapt. Pretty much. (laughs) Public health officials leapt into action. While this is undoubtedly hilarious, some pathogens that can be found in lakes can cause serious health issues and even death. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, no deaths were reported in the wake. See what I did there? (laughs) Of these poop attacks. Quote, the mystery triggered an investigation by Hennepin County Public Health's epidemic epidemiological unit. I'm drunk. (laughs) Boom. And the Minnesota (laughs) Department of Health's Waterborne Disease Unit. The case would ultimately affect 172 people, the most since a 2013 outbreak of salmonella, which is associated with a food festival, uh, which produced 119 cases. Damn. <laughs> it also triggered a reaction on social media, gifts of prints with references to, quote, purify yourself in the waters of <laughs> Purify yourselves in the fucking... The shit pool. <laughs> There's so much poop in Lake Minnetonka, pool. Oh, we'll no. kind of get to yes. it. So MSP Mag also graciously provided a timeline of the outbreak investigation, which I will go over with you now. A good blotter. Love a good a blot. A real good blotter. So again, this is July of 2019. July 8th, 9.30 a.m., all times approximate. The <laughs> file starts with an email from a concerned mom reporting the symptoms she's hearing from her child and assorted friends. The county asks the mom to share... It's phone number with anyone experiencing symptoms. My mom would have never been like, are you okay? Are your friends okay? She would have been like, you fucking hussies got gonorrhea. Shouldn't have drank the toilet water around Big Island, you fucking idiot. Now go to your room. And now go mow the lawn. Yeah. Hard same. July 8th. 
11.15 a.m., Hennepin County Epidemiology staff return from a bi-weekly staff meeting to discover a handful of voicemails from sick people. July 8th, 11.30 a.m., the phones really start to ring, Bagstad says, who is an epidemiologist on this case. July 8th, 11.45 a.m., Bagstad calls Robinson, another. She was Batman totally expecting- calls Robin. Batman calls Robin. <laughs> she was totally expecting my call as the MDH food and waterborne illness phone number was also ringing off the hook, Bagsad says. They compare notes and confirm that the county will take the lead as Big Island falls within its boundaries. Okay. July 8th, afternoon, the county pulls in staff from the Environmental Health and Emergency Preparedness Departments to hit the phones. MDH relies on, oh God, I just scrolled, on graduate student work. Workers. Unpaid July interns. 8th. Unpaid yeah. fucking interns. July 8th, 10 p.m. news. WCCO runs a story with the phone number for Hennepin County Epidemiology based on a call from Hilgenberg, who we talked to earlier, yep. to the station's tip line. Quote, I told them, hey, I was at Big Island on the 4th and I got sick. So I posted on Instagram and my friend said, I'm sick too. All these people think they had food poisoning, but no way we were all eating the same thing. Nope. No Accurate. way you were all eating the same Doritos. Shrimp. Yeah, seriously. Interesting. But also, like, I don't think it would have ever occurred to me to call the ep- the Hennepin County epidemiology line. The Absolutely only reason not. I would have done it is, is if in this particular situation I'm seeing, like, a spread on social media of I have the shits right. and I'm shitting myself right. to death. Everyone right. has the runs. Yeah. Right. And the and then like the the common denominator is that we were all at the same massive party right. on Big Island. But they then was, I'd probably call. They put it together fairly quickly, I feel. Right. Social media. But also it was on WCCO. And this is like the next day now. I right. mean then the that morning, the morning of July eighth. When well, it's like, like four days called. later. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the citizens sort of pieced this together pretty mm-hmm. quickly and mm-hmm. independently called that epidemiology yeah. lab. That's kind mm-hmm. of impressive. The power mm-hmm. of the people. I normally don't give that much credit to just people in general, but to anyone because people are garbage. Yeah. July 9th, eight a.m. <laughs> Bagsad returns to the office to another hundred fifteen voicemails. Oh. I can't even. If I have like fifty emails in my inbox, I I get the shits. I get whatever these people have. I don't think I've ever listened to a voicemail ever. Oh, really? Right. You probably have Ooh. some from me. Kenyon, I'm here to pick you up for sailing. Get your ass out here. Where the fuck are I've, you? I'm sick I've of waiting worked, for you. Why are you I've, always late? My McDonald's is I've getting cold. I've worked in a call center, so I have had days of my life. There was like a long time when I first came back to Minneapolis where I was a temp. Yes. And temp agencies send people to fucking call centers all oh, the yeah. time. I worked as a front desk person and did hours in a call center for Fairview Health Services. Yeah. I listened to a lot of voicemails. Mm. It is very anxiety inducing. I don't recommend it to anyone. I hate it. Please just text me. Do not ever um, leave me a voicemail. <laughs> nope. So from July 8th until 11th, 
umpteen TV stations and countless reporters broadcast every detail of the horror. <laughs> One day, for example, a media scrum shows up at Hennepin County's weekly beach testing, mm-hmm. which they do throughout the summer. Um, the county tests the water at 31 different beaches, recommending closures to swimming areas that exceed a threshold count for E. coli, which we'll kind of get to. I remember and an like, E. coli outbreak in Lake Minnetonka when we were sailing. Yeah. And yep. our, I'm pretty sure our boss there was, was just like, big one. just don't swim near the shore. Like in the middle of there the lake, There was a huge fine. one in 2013, and you would have been in college at that time and yeah. probably still doing summer sailing yep. school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we that might have been one of them. not in college at that time at all. But yes, well, that's fair. What time is it? What year <laughs> we is it? We graduated college in 2009. <laughs> Whatever. Some of us haven't graduated college yet. So the timeline is fuzzy. But there were, that was like a huge one, but there have been E. coli outbreaks fucking like every fucking year. I just like to praise the Heavenly Father that no, we haven't gotten E. coli <laughs> that they didn't test when we were kids. And so we just <laughs> always had access to Excelsior Beach mm-hmm. every summer because it's mm-hmm. been closed like a lot of recent summers. A lot. It built up immunity. Mm-hmm. It's like eating yep. dirt. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So community health worker Nick Fortmeyer enjoys parentheses suffers a moment in the spotlight (laughs) as TV cameras capture him wading into Lake Minnetonka at Excelsior Beach, filling a plastic bottle with water and labeling it. A cameraman directs him to repeat the process to stretch out the moment as long as possible. (laughs) So one more time, just go one more time. Yeah. Like, yeah, my legs are purple. This is not right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So what did they find when testing these infected waters? The answer was a bit butt muddy. Oh. <laughs> nice. And by that, of course, I mean completely inconclusive. <laughs> Health officials interviewed 225 people and 172 of them reported having vomiting and or multiple bouts of diarrhea after being near the popular party spot. From Southwest News Media, quote, we can conclusively say there was an outbreak of disease that occurred at this location on July 4th. It was a black death. Epidemi- no, it, we don't know. That could have been a plague. It could have been. Epidemiologist Dave Johnson said (laughs) health officials are certain the outbreak was related to water exposure, but Johnson said they may not ever be able to determine the exact pathogen that caused people to get sick, which isn't uncommon in these types of investigations. Seriously, disease is fucking wild. It is a Uh, shot in the dark. Quote, uh, we don't have indication that this pathogen is E. coli, Johnson said, noting there would be different, more severe symptoms if E. coli was the cause of the outbreak. Yeah, somebody would have died. Probably, or or just been a lot worse off. Probably needed more intense medical care because when you're like as fucked up as E. coli gets you, the dehydration, Mm -hmm. like you need to be on an IV. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like cholera. So several people, yeah. Several people loving the time of E. coli who called into (laughs) Hennepin County Public Health had gone to their doctor to be tested for their illness and said they were negative for E. coli. Health officials have collected one stool sample from all 170 or 200 something people 
interviewed, 172 positive first symptoms, one stool sample got, was provided. They've got the runs. It's not hard to get a stool sample yeah. from these yeah, people. Yeah, and only one person gave one. Only one. I would be what? so ecstatic to like shit in a jar oh. and mail it off. I'd be handing over my stool willingly without question. I would question. be the person who was denying in front of their mom that they were ever at Big Island while vomiting <laughs> and shitting. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what it's you're talking about. It's just stomach flu. never <laughs> even heard of Big Island. Seriously. I have to go. I Close the door. I've never disobeyed you. Do you need yeah. anything? Be like, Can Lava. I get you a, a pillow for your feet? What do you need? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. So, yeah. Uh, with the sole stool sample that they had, they tested for 22 of the most common infectious diseases that typically cause these types of, symp- of symptoms. The sample came back negative for all of them. Oh, my Every God. Every single one. It's, it's a, a mystery disease. Fucking, oh it's God. a mystery disease, but also it's only one fucking sample. If we had had yeah. any others, Could we probably might have conclusive answers. Or discovered so, a whole new type of plague. Don't be so right? stingy with your shit, people. You, what are you doing? Share Washing your shit. Down the fucking pipe. Hand it over. <laughs> we need answers. <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, what are you, are you gonna, gonna are you gonna use it? What are yeah, you gonna do? Yeah, with what it? are you gonna do? You gonna use it? <laughs> you gonna paint with it? What are you gonna you fucking gonna do it? with it? <laughs> Jesus okay. fucking Christ! Okay. So yeah, this is one sample offered up by all of the people claiming to have symptoms, and in previous years, levels of E. coli. Uh, closed beaches all around Lake Minnetonka, which extends a massive 14,530 acres and has over 24 public beaches. So I wish we had more fucking samples to really know what the fuck happened. Hand over the poop. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being one of the like yuppie assholes who like recently moved to Lake Minnetonka and paid like $3 million for your home in Excelsior that like my mom had well on food stamps and I'm sorry, and the can fucking you imagine, beaches closed. Can you imagine being <laughs> the only person who handed over their poo? That's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> would you guys send in your sample? No, wait, am I the only? No. Did, just you me, didn't literally know? only me? No. Only me? Oh. Yeah, say me either. Got no. it. Yeah, no, why would yeah, I? No, yeah. I didn't. I never know. Should we go to Haskell's and have a beer? Got it. Cool. Uh, no, I, I didn't, I didn't mail it in poop. either. No, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't sift through my own shit <laughs> and then put it in a plastic bag, seal it, put it in another plastic bag, label it, label put it. it in the mail, hand it to my mailman that I know by name because they've worked here for a hundred years, <laughs> have them take my shit to Hennepin County to be analyzed. No, me either. I did not do that. There's uh, no way. Gross. Gross. Nope. <laughs> so, I love that for you. What? <laughs> I love that for you. Mm. Well, you really, you stepped up. Mm. You're like the face of a generation. I love this journey you're on. I love this journey for you. I love this so journey. So, one for thing you. is pretty much agreed upon, however. The problem began with human waste. Yeah, uh, poop. Yeah, big time. So from the Star Tribune, quote, the source of contamination could have been anything from a boater carelessly pumping out a marine toilet (laughs) 
to a single person with norovirus defecating or vomiting in the water, public health experts said. Lake Minnetonka's fucking a filthy. Thank God big it's so island big. Island is a cesspool. <laughs> I, it's a petri dish. I've literally <laughs> gone to Big Island once, and it was. I've to never pee. been. It was to pee. Look at the photo on the drive <laughs> of a boat tie-up on Big Island. Oh, it's I, so gross, guys! It goes so deep. I um. I got really, uh, what's it called? Motion sick, like seasick, uh, going out snorkeling once. And <laughs> yeah, I like, like, threw up. <laughs> you chummed the waters. Into your snorkel <laughs> mask. I also had like a panic attack putting a snorkel on my face because I was like, <gasps> can't breathe. Okay, so Kenyon cannot snorkel. No. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> cannot fucking snorkel. No so, Polynesian navigation trips in your near future. No. Mm-mm. So I threw, I was also so overconfident because I was like, I grew up sailing. I don't get seasick. Blah, blah, blah. Well, bitch. Kenyon overconfident? You're in your 30s now. <laughs> so you do get seasick. So fuck you. <laughs> fucking humble wave. <laughs> So, yeah, threw up all in the water and everyone just kept snorkeling around my yep, vomit. Just drinking it. Just drinking it. You chummed the waters. You're drawing I did. the sharks. Chummed. I did. Yeah. You're a valuable asset. You chummed. And if they saw any wildlife, it's because of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. They I owe you all money of this. for that right. tour. They really do. You're, You're right. saving money. That three-hour tour. <laughs> So this goes on to say, quote, you have to understand the big island experience. Uh, A lot of vomiting and shitting in fairness. Yep. A former state epidemiologist and director of the University of Minnesota Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy. It's like having one huge child care facility (laughs) operating with a number of people challenged by their levels of chemical intake. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's the Could most accurate be- description I've ever. Yes. Could a better quote even exist? Only if, only if this person mentioned all the twisted ankles. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. The all the boobs that just slip out. Uh, just slipped out. Somebody nips the up. vast majority of the vessels that tie up on big party days like Fourth of July do not have a bathroom. No, and they are out there from eight a.m. Yep. until like three a.m. the yeah. following People day. Are just and they're shitting in the water. In the water. Uh-huh. Smirnoff ice makes you poop. So excessive partying near Big Island has been a topic of discussion before with 75 calls to the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office on July 4th of 2015 to report the nonsense of an estimated 8,000 boats out on the lake that day. That is so excessive. 8,000 mm-hmm. boats in what, like 14,500 square acres? Well, think about July 4th. Like, think about being in Excelsior, like, in the commons on July 4th. Wall to And then wall. looking so out on the lake. And, like, boats. literally you could walk across the lake just on boats. You could. It's and so we're packed. only seeing, we're only see, like, Lake Minnetonka is fucking massive. Yeah. So we're only seeing that one little corner of it. Yeah. Yeah. 8,000 plus. Bumper to bumper. Bow yeah. to Sheriff. stern. Yeah, bow to stern, starboard to 
Port. Portsmouth. Portsmouth. <laughs> Sheriff Richard Stanick said to NPR News, quote, the thing that was most disturbing to me as the sheriff of this county responsible for patrolling that lake and the safety and security of the people who use that lake was the number of alcohol-related incidents that turned into medical emergencies. UV blue will do that to you. Yeah. Yep. A lot of day drinking and, all day. And the scariest the part, in the sun with no, like, People are not packing water no. on those pontoons. Literally, are you kidding no. me? Yeah. The scariest part of these all too common alcohol related injuries is the lack of accessibility by responders. So, as oh, Sheriff yeah. Stanick stated, th- quote, this isn't like a street address. When someone calls 911 and they're on a boat and they say, hey, we've got a problem where that big blue bayliner boat, 32 feet on, in the cove. Which one exactly do I go there to? There are 160 of those exact boats in that yeah. exact yep. area. And how do you even yep. get there when it's so packed on the 4th? Right. How People, like, does don't an understand, emergency like, response vessel? If you don't know what we're talking about, like, please go Google it because it boggles the mind how fucking packed. Mm-hmm. And drinking and boating is a big issue on Lake Minnetonka, but for how much the community talks about it, there really aren't very many statistics. Mm Because it's unlikely that you'll get pulled over. Correct. Until you crash into another person's boat. Mm -hmm. Correct. So Valley News Live reported in 20... I looked at so many local papers, you guys. (laughs) So many bad pop-up ads. Are so bad and... Such mm. gems. Yeah. I am trying, moving forward, I want to be conscious to like deviate all of my research to only local papers because they are just Please do. incredible. And they need your monetary support because the local oh, newspaper is dying. Mm. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to pay. So Valley (laughs) News Live reported in 2016 that by June of that year, 34 citations for underage drinking alone Mm -hmm. had been issued on Lake Minnetonka. That's where you go to drink underage, a boat in the middle of the lake. You can get your boating license at like 12. Yeah. Yep. But just think about that. Okay, so we're looking at the year 2016. We're looking at the month of June, which really means that boats were not successfully really launched until likely mid to late May. Mm -hmm. So we're almost, we're maybe eight weeks in to a summer of boating and 34 citations for underage drinking on just Lake Minnetonka have already been issued at that time. And that's not even factoring all the drunk dads. Nope, not even close. And that that was a whole other statistic I couldn't even go down that rabbit hole is because people get pulled over and like citations and, and, and just the cost of the tickets have increased for like, if you get pulled over as an of age drinker and you have underage drinkers on your boat, Mm -hmm. you're getting like up to a thousand dollars in fines Mm -hmm. added to your existing fines that you're getting pulled over for. It's just, it's so much. There's so much. And imagine if you don't even have enough life jackets for all those. That's that up in your charge. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh Yeah. That's like the main reason that you get pulled over is for life jacket checks. I've been pulled and over twice for a life jacket yep. check yep. on Lotus on where I yep. where my parents' house is. It's a big it's it's the broken taillight. It's a stop and frisk of it the boat. It is the stop world. and yeah. frisk of the boating world. But mm-hmm. also like boating is so dangerous 
It's so mm-hmm. dangerous. Sober. Anyway, yes. Like, it's so, like, let alone underage and let alone drunk. Like, oh, yeah. So and Minnetonka has such a hodgepodge of, like, sailboats, speedboats, jet skis, pontoons. All of them operate with completely different technology yep. at completely different speeds. Completely different and ru- le- laws. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's just... Throw caution to the wind. 99% of people don't know the rules of the way. No. no. I have I have operated so many boats without a license, without knowing what the fuck I'm doing. And then you're also getting canoers and kayakers that are out I was just going to say lake. canoers. Speedboats and canoes don't mix. Not a Do good not mix. mix. All on the same people, body of water. No. People tubing. Yeah. Uh, that's real tubing. dangerous. Tubing I fucking hate tubing. <laughs> it's insane. It should be illegal. I have gotten so, so many like burns from like my body, like slapping the yes. water after flying off yes. of a tube. Uh, Never again. We know someone who lost a limb because yep. they were tubing and got caught in the motor. Super dude. Yep. And got hit by a fucking speedboat yep. while tubing. Hit his mm-hmm. own speedboat. Real talk. Unless his so, brother driving it. Back to what we were saying before, before we lost our fucking minds. So <laughs> that was the, the 34 most citations. Minnesotan episode we've ever done. Yes. Hands down. <laughs> I am losing my shit over Lake Minnetonka. So 34 citations for underage drinking alone were issued in 2016 in June on Lake Minnetonka, which was up that year from what they claim is an average of 15 to 20 underage drinking citations on average each Not summer. Not an hour. <laughs> but per, should I know, be per I know, hour. Right. Fake news. In 2013, there were 158 total drunk boating violations reported in the state of Minnesota, 22% of which fell the week of of July 4th. 22% 22% of all of those violations fell in that. I Honestly, wish that, that surprised low. me. It's, that is Isn't that the wild? least shocking thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And it it's should the, be it's so the highest much traffic higher. week. Honestly, it's the highest traffic week. Not even double it, not even quintuple it. Just multiply that by 15. And that's how many actual drunk boaters there are on the fucking lake. So the same laws that apply to drivers on the street are meant to apply to boaters to some degree. Open container is really not included because everybody's allowed to have a beer on a boat. Who fucking doesn't love having a beer on a boat? Whatever. It's my favorite thing. What they were. But if you're operating. If you're operating a boat, if you're driving a boat, you are supposed to stay below the legal limit of 0.01 BAC, but drunk boaters are super fucking hard to catch. 0.01? It's harder. 0.08. Okay. Yep. That's the legal limit in Minnesota. I don't know if it's different in other states, but that's how it's supposed to be here. So, quote, it's harder to pick up the impaired drivers, said Adam Block, who's a Minnetonka cop. We don't have traffic lanes. We don't have traffic lights. We don't have turn signals or gauges that are signs of possible intoxication. I will. So can I do a quick anecdote? Of course. So welcome. uh, Kenyon, when we worked at the sailing school, we would drive around in Zodiacs, which are those inflatable boats with the outboard motor on the back. 
It's like and a balloon that someone turned into a aren't boat. Aren't those what, like, get you from shore to your sailboat, too, typically? That, yeah, that would be the dinghy. These, like, the little dinghy and Kenyan yeah. story, I would imagine, would be. Yeah, it's just a quick little inflatable, very portable, mm-hmm. very simple boat. And so that's what we would uh, coach from. And so after these long days of being out in a Zodiac on the water all day, I would be driving us home because we carpooled. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. Kenyon would be driving, whoever. And it we we mentioned to each other regularly like how weird it was to drive a car after having driven a boat all day. Yeah. All day. Because like using your turn signal, obeying lanes, obeying literally any traffic law. Yeah. You're just cruising mm-hmm. around the water all fucking mm-hmm. day in this boat doing whatever now you want. alcohol. Yeah. Remember when we had a boss who on July 5th, so the day after July 4th, Ran into a mailbox on the way to work. I remember it. Yeah. I remember it. And everybody was just like, oh, weird. And we were like. Most of the staff was still drunk from the day before. Yeah. And Lucy and I were like the only two responsible human beings who were like, we're in charge of children's lives. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there are other communities of listeners that that do understand like the culture of 4th of July on Lake Minnetonka. Oh yeah. Because they probably have it similarly in their own communities, it's but insane. it is the drinking holiday of the fucking it's year. It's pretty epic. It's pretty amazing. It is and epic. like uh, just don't It's bonkers. Just don't mix Drinking and boating, and like I know that that is the inclination to do if it. If you're a passenger, do you? If you're fucking responsible for driving the boat, you can't. Especially you can't. on a lake as packed as Minnetonka so on the fucking Fourth of July, you can't make any sort of maneuver without there being another Mm-mm. boat directly in your path. That is not the time to boat while drinking. Nope. Boating not. is harder than driving. It is like mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have lanes and like whatever, but like. You also don't have, you can't brake on a dime. Like, it's much harder than driving. There is also a false sense of security when it comes to boating because you feel like every, you know, like there there might not be like a solid impact, for example. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Because mm-hmm. actually, it, when something does go down, it is more dangerous than it's being really in a motor, like mm-hmm. a, a car. And so, also, like, okay, so one time, I'm sorry, we're just like fucking ranting because we're, we're I'm here for it. This <laughs> two and a half hour episode on sailing crimes is everything we're making we need up for right last now. week. Honestly, <laughs> yep, let's do this. <laughs> so, speaking of fucking Fourth of July, so Zach and I have spent a lot of Fourth of Julys with um, our friends who whose parents have a house on the Jersey shore and they have like a catamaran and like four twenties and like all these fucking vessels. They're, they're made of money. It's fine. And so we were out on a speedboat and there are a bunch of us and we're all drinking whatever. And, um, somebody is tubing. And at some point there's like a hard stop or like a hard turn or something. And a friend of ours is standing up on the speedboat and she like, during the hard stop, like falls forward and hits her head on Ooh, one of the she like got, metal mm-hmm. like memory loss, right? Didn't she like she, not remember the rest of the day? Yeah. Yes. So she hit her head so fucking hard on like one of the like metal 
poles on the boat. Concussion. And she was like. Concussion. Yeah. She was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. We kept boating because we're all drunken fucking idiots. Later Put that, that bitch in a life jacket. Yeah. She later, goes over. She's drowning. Done. Yeah. Later that night, I was like having a conversation with her and I like said something about like, how are you feeling or whatever? And she had a zero recollection none of the event yep. because she that's, couldn't remember any of the day and that's an unreported event imagine how many times shit like that happens mm-hmm. during like a drunk boating situation mm-hmm. that's scary honestly i started this research interested in like lake poop <laughs> and then went down a drunk boating rabbit hole we all and did. now <laughs> i'm just convinced that most people out on the lakes are gross Poopy drunk. Yep. <laughs> and this episode ruined one of my favorite summer activities for me. So I'm going to go ahead and stop right now before I never get back into a lake or on a boat ever again. That's Thank fair. You. The end. Yeah. That is my case. They real gross. Nice job. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. don't think about it too hard. Yeah. Poop, you guys. Poop. Let it go. Just, so just much poop. Let it drift Let it away. poop. Let it poop. Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. Nice job. Brava. Uh Well, bras off. Bras (laughs) off. Oh, good call. I have Um, to take my bra off. All right. Special thanks this week to our very special fan picker, LaShawn slash SV September. Thank you to you and to your boating vessel. Your Mm -hmm. vessel. Thank you also to Vale Wickheim. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm unveiling our gratitude to you for yes. your $5 a month. Thank you to Emily McIntosh. You are both a juicy piece of fruit mm-hmm. and a computer device. You know and a thing to keep us dry in the wet summer. Steve Thank you, Mallory Sellers. What? <laughs> Galoshes? Okay. Macintosh. If anybody else watches a lot of We're fine. 1970s British crime dramas, nope. you know what a Macintosh no is. No one. No. Literally nobody, nobody else. Is Thank you, Mallory Sellers. <laughs> I will never sellers out, but I will thank You're you. Best sellers. <laughs> thank you, Des Tomlinson, for not leaving us Des to toot. Thanks to your <laughs> donation. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Catherine Lightfoot. Tread lightly, mm. Catherine Lightfoot. Mm. You might find yourself in a bit of trouble. Yeah. We are the one who knocks. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole Lynn. Um, are you Lynn li- into it? Are you Lynn or are you Lout? Thank you, Nicole Lynn. We are Colin to you. <laughs> Colin Powell. Colin Powell. Thank you to Alexis Couture. Ooh. You just fit us like a Juicy. couture glove. Mm. We appreciate. Thank you to Christo Wurtz. It's not 
the worst thing in the world <laughs> to give us a donation on Patreon. <laughs> it could be worse. Thank you. It could be worse. Danny Edwards. I scissor hands. We dan you. We dan you. And I am just going to keep looking forwards. And Edwards. Okay, moving on. Forwards. <laughs> This is definitely an authentic drunken episode, and I love it. <laughs> Can't stop burping. Thank you to Desiree Walls. Don't put those walls up, Desiree. <laughs> to the window, to the walls. To the walls. <laughs> to the sweat drip down my brow. <laughs> Thank you. All Desiree. you females, prowl. Prowl. <laughs> Thank you to Holly Calvacina. Honey, I Calvacina you. Donating to us. Shaking that ass. Thank you to Matthias Overbay. I don't mean to be overbearing. Bearing. (laughs) Bearing. But I want to thank you for your donation. Thank you, Alexis McLeod Hall. We hear you, McLeod and Clear. <laughs> Thank you for your support. To the window. To the hall. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Aaron Oliviera. <laughs> Oliviera. Okay. Olive juice. Okay. Mm. Mm. Uh, Thank you to Rachel Schulten. Oh my God, I know Rachel. Lucy, oh my God, I do. How can you really know a person? If this is the same Rachel Schulten, (laughs) Rachel owns a Pilates studio called Something Cat. Kneeling seems like a really common name. Is it? Either way. Next. We're Schultz at your generosity. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> Holy Schultz. Th- Holy Schultz. Thank you also to Beth Alcock. Okay. I'll take all that. Well, that's not true. Honestly, Alcock and no substance. It's a fine line between like just enough and too much. <laughs> you might have crossed that line, Beth. And honestly, uh, width over length, people. Yeah. Width girth. over length. Yeah, it's about that girth. <laughs> anyway, Emily Goldhammer. <laughs> and Emily wants Amanda's daddy Ugh. voice to shout out their sister. Joy. It's such a joy to be your dad. Emily. Cold humor. (laughs) All right. And that's done. Thank you to Kelsey. I am just going to roar and draw. You're roaring like a cat's head on a ship. Yep. Kicking off our $10 a month level, we got Dakota 7. That sounds mm, like a lucky number. Slum. Wrongfully accused group of teenagers who were accused of uh, <laughs> the witchcraft Dakota seven. in yeah. one of the Dakotas, and there were yeah. seven of Here them. Here it is. There she is. <laughs> Thank you to Robin. We are robbing you blind yeah. at ten dollars a month. Mm. I truly <laughs> cannot believe anyone gives money to this. We're so sorry and should disband <laughs> as a company. 
We're fortunate enough to have evaded a lawsuit for this long. How on God's green earth? <laughs> Thank you to Amber Vincelli. I count Vermicelli. this as- I count this as a win, Selly, that we have not been sued yet. Thank you so much, Amber. Mm -hmm. I am so fucking pleased that this next name landed on my turn because when I read their Patreon email, I shouted to Corey, do you even believe how amazing this name is? (laughs) Noah Gilboa. Oh. Noah, Noah, uh, Gilboa, me, my, Milboa, Gilboa. There's no way you're not Noah. already aware of how incredible your name is, but I'm here it's to so reinforce good. that. Noah Gilboa, you live in my heart forever. Yeah. As does Sharon Clarkson, who I can only assume is related to Kelly Clarkson. Take and the last train to Clarkson. I'll meet you at the stage at the Sharon's time. Behind these hazel eyes, we've got a lot of gratitude. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. They are independent women, but not that independent. (laughs) Thanks to you. Now I get (laughs) what I want. Okay. Since you've been gone. Thank you to Jordan Meinholz. Uh, is a mind fuck. Mine mind is on Holtz because I am <laughs> drunk. Thank you, Jordan. Mine Holtz. Kicking off our $15 a month trash queen or king or both or neither level, we got the Naughty Queers. Yes. <laughs> Naughty K-N-O-T-T-Y for the record. I am assuming this has something to do with wood. And if or, this is or, your first or, and last name, or knitting. I'm so sorry. Queer knitting. <laughs> also, I don't know where your coven is, but can I yeah. join it? Honorary yeah. coven membership requested. Thank you. Yeah. Also, thank you to Katie Rad Spinner. Mm. We're spinning this in a rad way to keep mm. us from getting sued 99% <laughs> of the time. Gotta spin it. Wicka, wicka. You gotta yep. spin it. Spin doctors, spinning it like a salad spinner, getting all the moisture out. Thank you to Aaron Conover. I don't know about Con you. on over, Aaron. Con on over. Con on over. Okay. And, oh, Jesus. Our 20 I'm not even like my blinking is having one <laughs> eyelid at a time. That's how drunk I am. It's one lid down and then the other one catches up and you're my like eyes an have old no Furby. moisture. Yeah. You are like I'm a fur batteries are low. A battery. Honey, yeah. your batteries are low. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> and I'm calling my ex after getting off of this. No, call you're <laughs> Oh, it's because no. he's getting married. I have to congratulate him on his engagement. What? <laughs> no, it's not the one you're thinking of. Are you serious? Not are you thinking of. It was, very an, happy it was for a him. tertiary ex. It was a rebound I'm, we're situation. We're very happy for him. This is a happy call. This is a happy call. Beck? Amanda does no. possess a small amount of grace when it comes the to some of thick. her exes. I'm drinking Ooh. it away, but Ooh. it's there. <laughs> Who? Who? It's Eric. Oh, Eric. 
Anyway. Oh, God, I barely remember him. He was a blip. Next. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> that was my response. Okay. 25 bucks a month, Bridget Goss. You are rigid with your generosity. We're going to gossip about it for the rest of the night. Thank you, Bridget. <gasps> Give us the hot goss. Yes. Also, we have... One person willing to give us $50 a month right now. And that is Sarah LaPray. I pray that you maintain your employment so that we may continue <laughs> to reap the benefits of your generosity. Ted gave a real bleak news press today. We need this. <laughs> Times are in these unprecedented times. Thank you. To Maddie Yost, given once off, uh, you are doing the absolute Yost for us. The Yost with the most. Yostest with, with the, the mostest. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. <sighs> Thank you, Renee Lear, who wants to shout out their gateway gal, Vicky. Vicky, you're doing the, lo- the Leard's work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for spreading the word. <laughs> oh, my God. I have a burp. <laughs> Those went. Okay, Stephanie Arnold. I can smell that from here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know. Hey, Stephanie Arnold. (laughs) Hey, Arnold. (laughs) Stephanie, I'm so sorry. I'm out of love. Thank you to to Shanna Douglas. I'm out of love. I'll it's never a, be married. I'm crime. out of love to give. Don't make when we call your ex. We're gonna right cry now. together for 45 Maybe minutes. We shouldn't call while my your boyfriend ex. brings me food. Yeah. Oh, so, I have gelato in the fridge. Okay. Thank you, Shanna Douglas. It's a crying Shanna that your name fell this late in the episode. I'm so sorry. Also, Kurt what Douglas. <gasps> Kenyon's husband, Kirk Douglas. I love him. Bottle is <laughs> empty. I love him. Who's next? Last but not least, we got Ryan Thorpe, who wants to shout out Christina Gutierrez. Happy birthday, Christina, from your loving fiance Ryan. It wasn't his fault that he was late for your June 10th birthday. We just record. Pretty far in advance. I did my best At to shove this up to the front of the queue. Have a fiance. <laughs> okay, all right. On that note, we love, <laughs> we love you all. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Hey there, wine coven. This is Madam Chris. And Madam Amy, the hosts of The Marvelous Madams. And we have a few questions for you. Do you love Marvel, but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? 
Did your spooky little heart explode during the A4 scene in Endgame? Is your hall pass list chock full of Avengers? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're giving you the more inclusive MCU commentary you've been waiting for. Visit us at themarvelousmadams.com and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Madams, assemble!